and welcome to the Criterion Quest, a continuing podcast series looking at important films and contemporary classics. My name is Chris and I'm joined as usual by my wonderful co-host Lee. Hello. Holy shit, it's been a while since it's I've said that. It's been a hot minute. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so we'll we'll address that, I didn't think, initially. Yes. Uh, first of all, Happy New Year, everybody. Merry Merry holidays yes sorry <laughs> be, be non-secular yep <laughs> um yeah so it has been a fucking hot minute or two since i've actually sat down to record with with lee or with uh, any other fill-in guests or by myself um yeah i guess state of the union state of the podcast where, mm. where, where we're at um it had been alluded to throughout like some throughout last year that I um, changed jobs and started a new job. Yes. And um, that was far more hectic and intense than my last job had been. Yeah. And it was made even more kind of hectic and intense with uh, my boss. I mean, it was in like a department of like two or three people. And my boss went on sabbatical for seven months. <laughs> Here's a new job. Bam, I'm leaving. Yeah. No, which is well, which has been great. Which, you know, has been really good. <laughs> um, but it, it's just meant like my workload and work, like work to home life has not really been a good balance. Yeah. And plus I have a herniated disc in my spine. So sitting down sucks. <laughs> I feel like the last few recordings we did, which were Jaws and Working Girl, like <laughs> you shifted the microphone several times to stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down. Oh yeah, down. no, I'm going to be doing that during this record <laughs> yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been tough and, you know, plus as well, um, obviously Lee. Being a new mum. And being back at work as well. And so back early. at work, yeah. So sort of finding the time in the schedules and, you know, it's been great having people like Eric and Adam and stuff fill in and I was doing the few by myself but that just you know it's not it it was fine but it was not fun having a discussion so to to be honest as soon as you said hello welcome to the podcast there's something little like little squee like (laughs) exploded in me and I'm like it's nice to be back yeah yeah so again it's just that thing of like thank you all for still saying subscribed and listening and things and I know we've gotten a few more people that have kind of come on board listening. I've seen the numbers. I know some new listeners are out there, which is lovely, kind of discovering the show. Um, Just like, you know, it's not dead. Like, we're going to still keep doing this. Um, It's just going to be sporadic as fuck. (laughs) And I think from after today's episode, you're going to realise, whilst we may not have been recording, we've been watching a fuck ton of films. Yeah, especially me, um, which is yes, literally my job. especially you. It is your job. So my yeah. job isn't in film, but Chris's is. So yes. how many films have you watched this year, Chris? Um, I've, I, on Letterboxd, I logged, I think, 390. But on top of that, I've ended up seeing probably closer to 450, I yes. would say, throughout the But it the is year. part of your job to acquire new films yes. for yes. your and company. watch everything that's at the festivals and stuff, So, uh, which is a big kind of thing that will come up in this discussion uh, as we look back at some of our favourite movies from 2023. Yes. Um, I'm going to highlight a couple that I know, at least for here in Australia, yes. haven't be, had a cinematic release yet, mm-hmm. some that are still upcoming. But the ones we're mainly going to focus on are ones that have definitely already played here in Australia, whether it be in festivals or small run release. Um, But I am going to highlight a couple that uh, will be coming out next year, or sorry, should I say this year, that uh, that I've had an opportunity to see that I'm going to... So you look like, over... Mark this, everyone. This, yeah, this is a good one. Check it out. It's great. Um, yes. 
So I reckon I logged 50 films, but I'm only going to talk about 12. Mm. But I am going to question you about upcomings because there's a lot I'm excited about. There's plenty I didn't see in 23, which I wish I had of. So Chris spends the year watching film and I'm a crammer. (laughs) I think we may have discussed this. damn good work. I know. I'm like, you've been watching my letterbox. It's been going off in December, Jan. Oh, yeah. But prior to that, maybe not so much. Yes. But anyway. Yeah, we're excited. It yeah. was a good year. It really fucking was. It really was. There's more likable films this year than dislikable films. Yeah. I'm going to argue yeah. in my limited watch. Like, I, there was not a film this year that I rated five stars. No. But there were a shitload that I rated four and a half. Like, the, you know, and it's if I look at my my end of year list, it's, it's I think, more consistently solid than previous years had been. Yeah, so it's more, yeah. And diverse as well. I do have a five-star film, which we'll get to. Yes. I do. I have one five-star film, but we'll get to that. But yes, I agree. There was, it was a good year for cinema. Yeah. Yeah. A great year. The the one weak link, um, looking at my list, and it's also because I'm on the finishing touches of my end of year video that I do every year, which I'm hoping to that'll come out the same day as this episode, hopefully. Mm. So if it if I manage to get off my ass and get that done in time, look in the episode description, there'll be a link there. Um, but yeah, it's it, every year I usually have at least one documentary in that oh. video and none made it this year. Yeah, in your top what, so how many films have you got in your interview video? Uh, 25, usually. It's somewhere between 20 and 25, usually. Yeah. Um, and so they haven't made your 25? No, but I'm like looking, I've got a longer list, and there's a few that are in like the top 50, but it, they didn't make the top. On In previous years, how many docos do you reckon you've averaged? One to two. Okay. Minimum. Yeah. Like, um, but I, and I wonder if it's a factor of the documentaries I saw were highly depressing. <laughs> Things like uh, 20 Days in Mariupol about like the Russian invasion of Ukraine yeah. or Beyond Utopia, which is about helping human traffic people out of North Korea. And like, you know, it's not, not up. Upli- we didn't have a, you can Mr. Rogers documentary or a Sesame no. Street documentary this year. And I feel like, you know, it's not that they're not good or not great. It's more that, <sighs> Like you even know, how, everyone fucking hard to watch. Everyone loved the Michael J. Fox documentary. Yeah, and I'm like, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. I think any biopic documentary mm. is always going to be fine because is it breaking new ground? Is it doing something yeah. interesting? Maybe not. It, I don't it know. Like it's this, telling a story. Yeah. I watched the Wiggles doco, I was about and I'm going to be honest. I cried a couple of times. Yeah. Loved it. Um, but I know what you mean. Like it, at the end of the day, it's it's just. It's documenting yeah. a life or yeah. a career, and it's like cool. The, okay. the one I kind of wish I could maybe have in my list, it, it just squeaked out, is a movie called Smoke Sauna Sisterhood uh, by the filmmaker Anna Hintz. Uh, it's a, um, a, a documentary. Uh, where did Eric and Tina meet? She's, uh, I know. Uh, she, it was Estonia. A... Oh, okay. It's an Estonian documentary <laughs> about. Sorry, I just answered. <laughs> that was random. Okay. Um, yeah, it, it's about the society, like this kind of communal experience that women have, uh, having like the saunas and the cold plunges and stuff, and talking about their lives and their relationships oh. and the struggles of being a woman. I and love it is this. a beautiful, fucking amazing documentary. Um, and again, that's one I'm just shouting out. Like, people, if you haven't seen it, go. Track that down if you can. Um, really, really lovely piece of filmmaking. Um, yeah. yeah. Stuff like that where you're just like, it's it's really good, but like, 
I know what you mean, though. Documentary It's can... the weird festival shit that you see. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, see, this is the thing. You would have had an exposure to a lot of festival films yeah. that maybe haven't been highly um, distributed. Yes, yes. Um, but, yeah, docos can kind of fall into the... Um, Who's the director that did um, the Bowie and the uh, Nirvana? Oh, uh, Brett Morgan. See, that's where it's like your biopic kind of uh, celebrity um, documentary, but it's wild. Because like, it's, it's it is fucking ar- with the form of how yes. he's presenting it. Like with the yes. Bowie one using nothing but archival footage. Yeah. With montage to heck using his diaries and creating animation yes. from that. Like that's 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 doing something new and different. Whereas totally. Doc docos can tend to if especially if they're about celebrity lives can be a bit Yeah. And it's the thing that I'm wondering if, like all the documentaries that are coming out now, it's obviously coming out of a post-COVID landscape. And it's the thing of instead of being able to kind of do these kind of bigger production, bigger scale documentaries, we're going to look at these smaller insular personal stories, I guess, Mm. because that's what we kind of have access to and are able to work with at the current time. It is interesting, 2023 being so close to lockdowns. (laughs) Yeah, and the amount of stuff, like, looking at the films, it's that's why I think it's the big, like, cinema's back, baby! (laughs) (laughs) In 2023, you reckon? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, it's, it's the first time that, like, you know, and I mean that in so many ways, like, where... You know, I'm sure people are sick of hearing, but like Barbenheimer and things yeah. like, you know, cinematic events happened again. I, do you know what? I I loved when Barbenheimer hit because mm. it was like you said, like at the at its core, it was people getting excited about cinema and box office smashing and, records and, and all two that. two very different movies that are highly original from brilliant auteurs and getting people excited about to go to the fucking movies again. Yes, yes. But I think in week one when Barbenheimer was a thing, I was like, I was all over this. By week two, they're Shut on. the fuck I was up, like, everybody. I can't yeah. even fucking hear it. Yeah, oh, yeah. my God. Shut up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Enough with your goddamn memes. <laughs> well, that's a good place to start. Yeah. Should we start with Barbenheimer? Yeah, let's just go. I think, you know, traditionally we could go just a standard kind of list going like, this is my number five. This is my number whatever. But see, I don't have a list. Yeah, and you, I, we've just I got... haven't actually. I've been um, <laughs> withholding my star ratings yes. to so, tease you yeah. and everyone else. But so yeah, let's just, we're just going to randomly go all over the place, talk about a bunch of films that we loved that came yes. out in this last year, and I'll I'll kind of shout out where it fell on my list, I guess, and yeah. if you can, I don't know. Well, yeah, love that. Okay, let's start with Barbie. Then. Yes, okay. okay, because you and I had very different experiences. But experiences with Barbie and I feel like our audience would not anticipate who felt what. Ah, see, I disagree. I think they know I fucking, they, they figure that I would fucking love it. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to put it out there. Wasn't a fan. Yeah. Was not a fan. And I love her other films. Lady Bird. Lady Bird's like a five out of five star masterpiece to me. It's beautiful. It is is a beautiful film. I I say Lady Bird is one of the. You know how everyone has like a teen movie that they relate to very deeply personally? That is like literally my high school experience was like beat for beat is Lady Bird. I relate to that film crazily. Yes. I've got to say, losing her virginity. That whole aspect of Lady Bird. Who the fuck is on top there first time? (laughs) (laughs) 
I and feel it's like, Chalamet as well. Yeah, <laughs> like, I feel like is... that was my first time as well. I'm yeah. not going to go into too much detail. But mm. I'm like, oh God! Like what it just, was like yeah. yes, but it was like it was in a film, and you're like yes, yes. Like it was yeah. so good. Anyway, I I love Greta Gerwig's mm. films. But okay, let's start with you. Yeah. What did you like about Barbie? Um, I went in with like some reservations. Okay. Um, the I also had a horrible experience physically watching it. It was like the day my back really went on me. Yes, we have to just let everyone know that Chris's back has been fucking with him all year. Yes, the since, fact that you've since seen Bob and like I'm a weekend. 500 films or whatever you said oh, is why it's, it's why it hasn't gotten better. <laughs> <laughs> um, and why I'm going to have to have surgery. It's fucking sucked. Oh, um, but yeah, so I we went we had tickets to go see it in gold class and like the sexy recliner chairs and everything and I'm like, I can't, recl- I can't move. Yeah, you're <laughs> um, going to have so, to like pry me out. Yeah, I was in so much pain but I, and I, but I went in with a lot of reservations because I, I was just like, I don't know. I, I'm probably not the audience for this film. I don't know what it's going to yeah. be, but I know I love like Greta, Greta Gerwig, Gerwig, and I know it's written by Noah Baumbach as well, who I love, who is what her is- husband. Um, he, you probably know him as the writer director of uh, recently White Noise, Marriage Story, Squid uh, and the Whale. Yeah, he co-wrote Life Aquatic. Um, wow. Yeah, he's he's okay. been around for like twenty, thirty years. Is yeah, an amazing filmmaker as well. <laughs> like. Uh, Francis Ha, which is where he and Greenberg, which is where he and Greta Gerwig met, and yeah, that's hard. Anyway, um, so I love both of them as filmmakers. So I was I was in from that aspect, but I know a lot of it's where people kind of prickle against the film is its messaging, yes, and is is it trying to say something? Is it trying to say too much? What's it? What are its politics, for lack of a better term? And yeah. I don't really give a shit. Mm. What I care about is if it worked effectively for me as a comedy film. Yes, I love that. And I laughed my goddamn ass off. I have now watched the film three times and I still laugh every single time. To me, I viewed it as, oh, this is reminding me of the Josie and the Pussycats movie, Ah. which is an amazing fucking movie. Never seen it, but that makes me squee. That movie is a masterpiece of social satire. Yeah, it's amazing, that film. Um, So for me, it's just like, oh, this is silly and weird and got bizarre, some bizarre comedy moments in there. The performances, I think, are fucking stellar. The production design, the musical numbers, everything that was hitting for me perfectly. I totally agree that its messaging is a little bit ham-fisted or unsure i guess but at the same time i really like how it ends and i and i can't see how people don't view it as a measured discourse Mm. where the film literally ends with barbie and ken again sorry spoilers on all of these yes but we have we have put timers in uh time points in so if you wanted to skip anything but yes spoilers on everything we're talking about every film we're probably going to spoil um we'll we'll do our best to say spoiler alert but there are i'll put time codes in the episode description so you can skip ahead but you you, have been warned but yeah um, everyone's seen barbie at this point but like the fact that it ends with barbie and ken saying we need to find a balance for both men and women in society it shouldn't be women ruling for the sake of men and men ruling for the sake of women. It's like, no, society should be a fucking balance. I'm like, yes. cool, you nailed that landing. And I get so confused and people are like, the movie's fucking man-hating. I'm like, it, is it? Did you yeah. see the movie? 
It's funny because... Uh, yeah, men are repressed, and then when they finally get power, they get beaten, taken, that power taken away. It's like, oh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> See, for me, honestly, it's everything you said in terms of the messaging or whatever. It wasn't that. The comedy failed for me. Okay. Like, it didn't hit... I'm not saying it was bad. It obviously hit for a lot of people, but the I comedy... Like wearing a pair of sunglasses and then putting, putting another, another one on. And doesn't like, work for why you? Is it, why am I not laughing Michael right Sarah? now? Michael Sarah, Come on. I know. No, and it is exactly what you're saying. Mm. The messaging, whatever. Cool. Great. Whatever. Um... But the, the comedy notes didn't hit, okay. and that is literally it. That yeah, is literally that the is, reason I didn't like it. Yeah, and that is the best explanation I've ever heard from someone not liking that movie. Because, okay, Barbenheimer hit. I didn't watch Barbie or Oppenheimer in time before the wave uh, of that hit. Mm. And so I kind of feel like it was spoiled for me. Yeah. And... So I went in with a very level head going, I'm probably going to not think this is as big as it is hyped and I'm going to I'm gonna watch this and it's going to be whatever. But I did hear a lot about the man-hating aspect of it. Mm. So I knew that. It wasn't that. It was literally the comedy for me just fell flat and it wasn't that it was bad comedy. It's just, it's just like you say about art is subjective mm-hmm. and all that sort of thing. The comedy just fell flat for me oh, and yeah. I didn't laugh. And then that's all it is. And and I was just literally talking to somebody about this today and it, there's nothing worse than a comedy not working for you. Yeah. That can that is the death of a movie. If yeah. you can't if it's a comedy film and you're not finding the comedy entertaining, yes. you can have a bad time. And there's yes. nothing you can do about it. Yes. And it is such a subjective And I would I would totally respect everyone who watches Barbie to be like, that was hilarious. I fucking loved yeah. it. I'm like, cool. Well, that's great. Literally I didn't, that's great. Literally before we started recording, we were talking about based on your recommendation, I just rewatched uh, Bridesmaids. Because yes. you had Same a fucking thing. ball with it. And I've never hilarious. really dug yes. that movie. And so I gave it another go. I'm like, it's it's fine. It's fine. Whereas for me, you were like solid three and a half stars. No, no, I'm like solid three. So you're like solid three. I'm like solid four stars. I'm like, that movie's hilarious. Mm. But that's the thing. It's comedy. Not everyone finds the same no, shit funny. It, it was the thing of, I don't think I, I maybe laughed out loud once rewatching Bridesmaids. Yeah. Whereas Barbie, I continually, I've, like I said, I've seen it three times and I still will laugh out loud multiple times having seen it that many times. Already. Yeah. And like, there's, there's the bit at the end where Ken's in a bed and he's cracking it. And she is being the motherly kind of mature, um, condescending, in my opinion, uh, comforting him. And I can't remember the dialogue, but I was just like, ugh. That's fair, yeah. Anyway, anyway, Mm. that's just my opinion. And I remember uh, another critique you'd had is um, it's Ryan, it's Ken's movie. Yeah. Um, I... I disagree on that with that in terms of a narrative. It is 100% Barbie's story, but I think your take on that is how good a performance Ryan Gosling gives. Yes. He walked into that film with a handgun and an empty duffel bag. He was like, put the movie in the bag. I'm fucking stealing this. (laughs) That is what he did with that film. In terms of like, I know we kind of said before recording about Oscars or awards or whatever and... We don't want to cement our thoughts in this podcast, but like, what do you think? Do you reckon you could get a supporting actor nomination? Oh, 100%. At least? Yeah. I would say there, 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 are, there are three locked nominations for best supporting, mm-hmm. for sure. And it's him, Downey Jr., and Charles Melton from May, December. 
The three of them are 100% getting nominated, and I think it's Downey Jr.'s. Ah, okay. It, it's the legacy. It's the, you know... Yeah, it's his, yeah, it's yeah, his third yeah. nomination. He's been around for fucking 40 years. It's the, it's the comeback kid. He's done with Iron Man, finally. It's, it's, it's his time, like... And it's a fucking amazing performance, like... Should we use that as a jumping-off point to bump into Oppenheimer? Yeah, then? sure. And is there I, anything else you wanted to say about Barbie? No, like I said, I, I just enjoy that film. Um, there are a few films on my end-of-year list that I'm like, you know what? I... I sometimes don't need a movie, especially after this year and the amount of stuff, heavy stuff I've watched. I'm like, sometimes I just want a movie to be fun and entertaining. Yeah. Like, and I like, so that's Barbie's like number 19 on my list. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that is, I'm intrigued. I want to know your other 18 films. Yeah. Like on that similar note of a film that you just want, sometimes you just want something entertaining right next to it at number 20, Rye Lane. Um, if no one has watched Rye Lane yet, um, it's on Amazon. Um, it was a Sundance movie, and it is a British uh, romantic comedy, and it is w- reminded me of like early Spike Lee and its inventiveness and its camera work and its brightness and its colors and its use of hip hop and its um, you know using a very uh, a very specific cultural hub and like neighborhood of um black residents within a london neighborhood like it's it's just a lovely romantic comedy that i'm like i have not seen a movie like this for fucking ages and i loved it oh wow so that, what's, that's what's the title again sorry? rye lane r-y-e lane oh. just if you're wanting like a good like 90s early 2000s style rom-com mm. that's wonderfully constructed like go check out rye lane um like i said it's on amazon now go go watch that it's like I said, sometimes you just want to move it to that's fucking entertaining and fun and, like, 90 minutes. I love it when you, like, suggest a film and it's actually, like, attainable. Yeah, yeah exactly. Whereas I'm just like, have you heard of... And, and next to Barbie at number 18, I'm like, Anthony Chen's Drift. No, you have not. No one, no one will, probably. <laughs> and it was fucking amazing. Is that a number 18, did yeah. you say? yeah. Yeah, but can we watch this, or is it too hard to watch? Uh, I know in Australia, no one's picked it up as a distributor. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it's you, maybe one day you'll, it'll pop up somewhere. But yeah, it's beautiful movie with uh, Cynthia Erivo and uh, Alia Shawcat, maybe from Arrested Development. Oh fuck yeah! Yeah, great movie, great movie. But yes, sorry, we were dive, this me dive, I'm just gonna pepper in some stuff. I feel like that's it because we could like have an extra half hour of the podcast where Chris tells us about all the films that Yeah, that's just me talking at you all and we we've heard those episodes. <laughs> but yeah, we uh, Oppenheimer. Let's let's go talk about Oppie. Okay, so Lee, Oppie. Lee, I have a handkerchief here with some orange slices. You should eat something. <laughs> Fucking crumholtz. <laughs> all right, I'm going to put it out there. In terms of awards, yep. I think that Oppenheimer will win best film of the Oscars. Probably. Does it deserve it? No. That's up for questions, but... Uh, <laughs> I, but inc- would I be inc- mad if it did? No. no. Um, There's one other film I think will should. Yes, and we will get to this because I'm pretty sure it's my five-star <laughs> film. Yep. Anyway, um, Oppenheimer. <whistles> I'm surprised how much I enjoyed it. Yep. I had... That must be the similar thing of Barbie, but I had it in a in a category of I know I should watch it and I will, and then I actually really enjoyed it. Where, I really liked it. Before we get into it, where are you on Nolan? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm contentious with him because yeah. I really like certain films and others I really don't. I am right there with you. Yeah. I'm on that trolley. <laughs> yeah. So, it's... for example, getting ready for this, well, not even getting ready for this, it was just getting ready for Oppenheimer. I rewatched The Prestige. Yes. Which is my favourite. That, that was previously my favourite of his. What's your new favourite? Oppenheimer. Oh, fuck yeah. I think Let's Opp- have this chat. <laughs> I think Oppenheimer oh. is his fucking his masterpiece. Oh my God, it's so good. It's <laughs> um, so good. But yeah, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get there. We'll get there. But it, I, I still want to keep going I the Nolan train. I your other favourite is the same as my yeah, other favourite. Yeah, The Prestige. I, I do. I, everyone loves Interstellar. And that I is don't. a film I have tr- I've watched five, six times in an effort to try like and it. like it. And I just... There's aspects of it that I like, but, man, I do not like that movie. Oh, man. So I've watched that movie once, and I'm like, I didn't like it. Moving yeah. on. See, but I've, I've done stuff like where we've been, like, away, like, friends have rented a beach house or something for the weekend, and you go and you wake up in the morning, and they've put on a movie. And one time it was Interstellar. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll give it a... I'm just like, I can't. I, I can't. And they are just like, it's the best movie ever. I'm like... Yeah. I know, but... This is where you and I have to be like, do we, um, are we the weirdos on the outskirts of society and we think these things, but really most of society thinks they're better. Yeah. See, I would weirdly rate Tenet above, uh, Interstellar. I haven't seen it. Okay. Tenet is a weird fucking movie. I don't... I thought the sound design was so appalling that you couldn't even fucking hear it or something. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Yeah. But, but it has the greatest line that was delivered in cinema of the uh, 2020s, which is the Aaron Taylor Johnson in a gruff army voice saying that we need to, oper- we need to pull a temporal pincer move. What the fuck is that? <laughs> a pincer move is like the one army coming in like that, but temporal. So one army's coming forward in time and the other's coming backwards. I'm just like, oh, this movie's amazing because yeah. you had the line of dialogue, a temporal pincer move. But is your love of that film like in a... Oh, schlock um, cheese. Yeah. Oh, okay. But again, I don't love that film. It's like three stars for me. Okay. Um, t- for, for me, Nolan is at his best when he is restrained. I rewatched Memento within the last year or so. Yeah, Great movie. Yeah. Um, yep. It's a little bit long for me, but yeah. it, it's solid as fuck and, and so crazy for its time. What's the war film I watched this year? Um, oh, Dunkirk. Dunkirk. Dunkirk's amazing. That's nuts. That That is, yeah, that's right up there for me. And the fact that that movie's 90 minutes long as well, it's short. Yes. It's fucking nuts. How um, long is Oppenheimer? Uh, three hours, ten. Or th- maybe, th- I think maybe three hours on the nose. So, okay. Apart from my five-star film, anything that was over three hours, I'm like, we're watching this in multiple cities. Yes, and yeah. Oppenheimer was one of those. So yes. I, I, I did it in stints. Mm-hmm. I watched it at home and I did it in stints. And I feel like I missed out on the opportunity to watch it whole in it's, a cinema. I'm, I'm yeah. so shattered I didn't watch it at like... I don't know. I, I, IMAX. I went opening I day. I, I went opening day way. IMAX on the full fucking seventy mil. Like let it let it yeah. rain over me. Like mm. let it let me absorb this. I want to watch this in its maximal form. Yeah. Even though like there was a lot of commentary around the time that why would I go to IMAX to watch three hours of dialogue? <laughs> because it is the most riveting shit in the world. Because exactly, it's not about the explosion. Yeah. It's about. And- the character development, the, the and, everything. It's not about the explosion, but I wish I'd watched it that way. Yeah. And it's its why I think it's Nolan's masterpiece. He, he's been working as a filmmaker 25 years or something, 
30 years and he um, has been just honing and building his craft and he is a fucking auteur. You you put on a film and you're like, oh, this is a Christopher Nolan film. Like you, so he can has I a dis- question you with auteur? Because yeah. we are going to get to auteur because auteur comes into this. My interpretation of auteur is where the director is front and centre in front of the camera even if they're physically not. Yes. So... Wes Anderson, Where's <laughs> Stanley yes. Kubrick, like uh, Tarantino, Spielberg. Like you know, you can tell it's a filmmaker's film just by looking at like a single frame or scene. You're like, oh yeah, yes, I know Stanley it's, Kubrick. Yeah. yeah, okay. I, I consider Nolan to be in that league. Yes, um, his sound or who does his um, uh, score? Uh, interestingly enough, on Oppenheimer, it was used to be he's jumped around a bit. And he used Hans Zimmer famously for the, like, the boongs and things. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then this was uh, Goran Goranson, I think, did the score okay. for this. Yeah. Because I would have thought he would have had the same uh, person every single film. No, I'm like, I, if think, you could... I believe Hans was busy on Dune, so that's why he couldn't. That's a great soundtrack. But, like, I would say, like, if, if you were blind, you could identify a Nolan film by the sound. Yes, or yeah. Lisa sound design. Mm. Anyway, but it, it was—he's he, such an interesting filmmaker because he, you know, came out of the ground, like you know, out of the gate running with like Memento and things. Like, I mean, I know he did following in things his earlier films, but um, you know, Memento and then the Insomnia remake, which is really fucking good. The Robin Williams Al Pacino, yeah. great movie, and then it's into Batman. Yeah, and I love Batman Begins. Dark Knight is undeniable. Um, Dark Knight Rises is pretty average. Yeah. And then it was honestly after the prestige for me, everything has been kind of, eh, Yeah. Until Dunkirk. And then I'm like, ooh, hello. Mm. I, I really dug this. And then Tenet, like, eh. Do you know what? Even with um, his other films, it's like, it's it's a moment, it's an event. Mm. You go and see those films. On, and they need to be seen on the big screen. Even if think. they're not like, all right, I'll give him a three stars or I'll give him a three and a half stars, whatever. You can't deny that his films are an event. Yes. You go see an older yeah. film. Yeah. You go see an older film. And I love that. Which is nuts that like Oppenheimer became like his third highest grossing film he's ever made. And Only it's, third. Oh, Only du- third with Oppenheimer, uh, Barbenheimer? Well, du- Dark Knight. And Dark Knight Rises are like they, billion dollar. They they earn more than Barbenheimer. Oh, I'm not. Uh, yeah, I'm denying yeah, the Barben, but I'm putting yeah, yeah. the Heimer. No, in no, there. Oppenheimer didn't end up grossing over a mill. Wow. Uh, sorry, over a bill. It was like nine hundred something million. So it didn't. It didn't make the billy. Well, Killian Murphy is a Nokia. <laughs> I like that you. That's your phrasing. For you. But um, yeah. Like getting back to it, it, it is. I think him. I, I was saying he's been a filmmaker. that's been kind of honing his craft for. Decades, and this to me is him beautifully executing everything he has learned to master in filmmaking, utilizing it to tell a deeply personal story and an intimate kind of character study. Um, it's so funny to say of, that it isn't that. Yeah, instead of what we expect, where it's like Dunkirk, where it's like planes and sunken battleships and temporal pincer moves and, <laughs> and Batman and all of this insanity. Yeah. And then he's like, no, I just... That's it. Like you said, three hours of people sitting in boardrooms discussing about, like, security clearances. <laughs> and 
hook it to my veins. Yes, it is fucking crack for me. That's why I've seen that movie again three times now, and it's three I hours long. I fucking loved it. it is I fucking so loved it. Yeah. It was so good. Yes. Um, the only thing, like, of course, the girl in the podcast brings this up, but what's with the gnarly fucking sex scenes? See, I'm fine with them. Oh, I'm sure you Everyone has the issues. <laughs> I, I think it, it's like, okay, every it's the one thing he always gets dinged for is his inability to write women. Yes. Um, for the majority of his film, films, the woman only exists to die and be the thing that spurns, spurs the man on. Like, think about, like, even The Prestige. It's oh, all 100%. about, yeah. Uh, Dark Knight, it's just like, Rachel! Fucking <laughs> 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 like Inception, his wife died. Like, you know, yeah. it's, it's all about, to the point of people, like, has anyone checked on Christopher Nolan's wife? <laughs> like, <laughs> dude fucking has issues with women, apparently. <laughs> um, so, which is why, I th- like, he's never been, and he openly is just like, oh, I don't know how to write women. I try, but, yeah. Um... But I, to be honest, it kind of goes with the time of this film. Like, you can accept it. And it's the personal as well. Like, in, in particular, the one where they're in the boardroom and she's... The it, that, fuck. But that I is from it, Emily Blunt's perspective. No. And it's that how, like, you know, scarred she was from his infidelity. And but then what does that add to the film, seeing that it adds through some, her? I, see, I don't mind it because I feel it adds some depth and characterization and understanding for her bitterness. As yes. a human being and a character. But then when is that readdressed or added or anything? I don't know. I feel like I it's think a it's, it, moment in time and then it's never thought about again. I don't know. I, I always view it as like a kind of touchstone point of her being like, I'm not going to take shit from anyone. And she doesn't shake hands yeah. at the end. Yes. And you said Robert Downey Jr. You think he will win the yeah. supporting actor yeah. Oscar. But you're saying it's also a career kind of... Oh, and I also think it's a phenomenal fucking performance. Especially in that, the last half hour, forty minutes of the film. That is, I know a lot of people. I know a lot of people have said I loved it, and then the last hour just kind of kept going. And I'm like, oh no, the last hour for me is where this movie became a fucking masterpiece. That is my favorite part of the film. I'm going to be honest. If you don't know the history of these people. Or what, you haven't read the 900-page biography of American Prometheus that this is based off of? (laughs) There is to me, especially if you're watching it over three viewings, which, again, ignore this because you shouldn't watch it that way. I will say the three viewings were in one day, though. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You should ignore this. It's definitely a rewatch film in order to grasp this, but... For that last bit with the courtroom drama, there is a lot of names dropped and a lot of things going on that had you not paid very close attention to or had a bit of a history of, you're like, huh? Mm. Who are you talking about? I don't know. Oh, oh it was, oh, it was oh, that Is that guy? Casey oh. Affleck or David Desmalchin? Oh, like, who oh, are you talking about? Okay, like, I think it's that guy. Yeah. I don't know. Was it that guy? Anyway, and then you're so... Like, oh, shit, Rami Malek's back. <laughs> <laughs> I remember him. He won an Oscar. Ugh. <laughs> was he Freddie Mercury? We don't talk about Bohemian Rhapsody, Lee. You know this. <laughs> the film does not exist. Anyway, so that for me, I, I loved all the intrigue and all that mm. sort of thing. Did I know who they were talking about? No. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I was like, 
What? Who? What? Oh no! I, I remember. I was sitting on the couch next to you, and you're like, "What?" I'm like, "Okay, so the Senate hearing is this?" About, I was breaking it down like a Uber nerd. Yeah, because I'm like, mean? it's crack for yeah. With all the, the Charlie Day with all the whiteboard shit. That was me just being like, "All right, I, this is crack for me." This I stuff. forgot. I forgot actually that um we did it over three viewings on the third. You were present. I, for. I was I was present for the end of the second half, and then mm. yeah. Okay. All right, but we have to talk about the special effects. Yeah. That's fucking gnarly. Yeah. I can feel the heat on my face. And it's all practical, which is nuts. How? Like, he, he did those How? explosions. What? Out in the desert and stuff, yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. And I love all the stuff. It's so simple, like, when they're in the hearing room, and then all of a sudden, like, the flashes going off and stuff. That's just out people outside with big lights going yes. on. Yes! <laughs> Actually, I was really appreciative of having you present for that, because after the explosion whatever mm. it gets taken away and then it gets dropped on hiroshima and nagasaki 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 <laughs> as gary oldman says in the film and it kind of like it's not like it loses anything but i i loved that uh killian murphy's having his oh sorry oppenheimer's having his speech where he's getting patted on the back and all that mm. sort of thing and there's these gnarly effects the... and having you kind of tell me that that's all practical. Yeah. What's going on in the background? What's going on in the foreground? Like the shaking of the walls that, and stuff. Or, or whatever's going on with the camera even yeah. is all practical. You just appreciate it that much more. Yep. Because you're like, that, there's a lot of thought going into this. Mm. I could have done that on a, in, a, in a computer, but no, let's, no. Do, let's do this in the moment. It, it takes and you back the to... performance would be affected by that, I'm yeah. sure. It, it reminds me of like... Why it's why I'm like it's Nolan at his best when he does it for real. Mm. Like you think Inception, like the fucking spinning hallway fight, and it's like no, they built a fucking yeah. hallway on a gimbal because it's so much better if it's real. And was that influenced? The, just... the fucking truck flipping in Dark Knight, like yes. so simple, but like so yes. better because it's real. Yes, like yeah. Which, what's your thoughts on Nolan as a whole? I, I'm very hit and miss. Like I said, mm. it's. Up until Oppenheimer, Prestige was my favorite, and then I would, like, then I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Like, like he has a lot yes. of films that I, like, Dark Knight, like I said, it's, it's an undeniably great movie. Um, it's a little bit, like, the problem is, the second he's caught the Joker, who gives a shit? Mm. Um, that last 20 minutes. It's like, it's, fu- it's fine. about but... Batman? Because it's not Batman's film, is it? No. In, in that... In that exact None film. of the Batman films are Batman's movie, yes. really, which is what's... I like yeah. that you said Batman Begins is a good film, because I it enjoyed is. that it too. It really fucking is. It's I really, really enjoyed good. that as well. Yeah. It's a really good movie. Um, I rewatched that not that long ago, and it's almost as good as The Dark Knight. Mm. Like, it's maybe a hair away from it. It's yeah. really fucking good. Love and doesn't that. get the credit it deserves. Mm. Um, but yeah, he's been solid, but it wasn't... Dunkirk was the first one in a while that I was like, oh, I really liked that. And then Oppenheimer. Yeah, and that's just like, oh, okay, cool, cool. You've, you've made your masterpiece. So... This is how good the... As, uh, can we talk about the cast for a minute? I was going to say, I actually wanted to bring that up. You go there, yeah. Um, this is how amazing the the three key performances are in the film and how intricate and how many parts and how many amazing performances like people coming in for like one or two scenes and minor yes. supporting roles did you forget matt damon is in that movie 
He is so <laughs> good. How but, good is he? But you fucking forget that Matt Damon is like third, fourth build in that movie. Like, yes. he's so good in it. He's so good. I am all here. I'm like all in, like pushing my chips in on the Matt Damon being like a 50-year-old character actor in supporting roles now. I love that. I just I love do that. it, Let's buddy. move him away from the heartthrob and move him into that category because I'm Be the all old man for that. Pick up weird roles yes. and be a weirdo. Yes. Like, snap, snap, snap. Do it. I'm I'm here for it. I'm here for it too. Steven Soderbergh, you know he's going to throw him into something good. <laughs> like that was the thing. He was in that fucking No Sudden movie, showed up at like the end for like one scene and you're just like, oh, Matty D. <laughs> yes. Sign me up. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to devour all of it. Mm. But um, Killian's fucking incredible. Like it's the role and like you realize like, oh, it's his like seventh movie of Nolan's. Yeah. And But it's like, it's the role he was born to play. Emily Blunt, it's like, she's finally getting the recognition she's deserved for like 15 years as an actress. She's an interesting one because she's kind of coming on the comedy well, uh, funny role sidekick I guess, and then like weird shit like Mary Poppins and stuff, and you're like I get why you do it, but But also like, I haven't followed her, so you could reel off 10 films right now and be like, I haven't seen them but Devil Wears Prada, come on. Oh, come on. Best anyway. Part, best part of that movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, nah, I thought she was rad. I love the ending where she won't shake his hand. Fuck she... you, Benny Safdie. <laughs> well, With your that, sunscreen. How bad, How weird that Benny Safdie's like the MVP supporting actor this year in all these huge movies. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like there's this thing at the moment, and it's probably been going on for a while, but maybe I'm paying attention, is that there is... The filmmakers doing things which are cool and then there's these bigger filmmakers going, I've got to get that in my film. Like, mm. let's just snap that up and just add it in. Yeah, you got you got um, some, some of that special sauce. I want to I want to, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like that's what... He was great in it, though. Yeah. Anytime he's... In, the other big one for him this year is, are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. He plays the dad and he's... A fucking sweetie. <laughs> like, is this a film out this year? Yes. Uh, oh. It's uh, based off the Judy Bloom book from like the 70s. Um, Rachel McAdams deserves an Oscar for playing the mum. Like she's fucking stellar in that movie. Mm-hmm. It's like a coming of age movie in the 70s of a girl moving to a new school and stuff and making new friends and then being like, why won't my boobs grow? And, you know, it, it's a lovely, oh, sweet Little movie. You're kidding on my notes. Oh, yeah. I watched it with Claire and she fucking ate that shit up with a big old dessert spoon. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, like, I I thought Emily Blunt's performance was fantastic in the film. Yes. Um, for, I feel she was a little bit underserved, like all Nolan women are. Mm. But I thought she did a fucking amazing job. Damon, incredible. Like I said, Downey Jr. is going to win the Oscar. But then... Peppered in all throughout it. You're just like, I love as well when they're talking about a, like the one guy who we went and had an interview with, and everyone's like, oh, you mean Satan on Earth? And then it cuts out, it's, oh, it's Casey Affleck. <laughs> and you're like, good casting. <laughs> I love that because in every other film I've seen him in, I've seen him in, not every film he's been in, I've seen him in. He's like that jovial kind of whatever guy, and it's like, Chuck, was... I had a double burger. <laughs> <laughs> he was scary. Yeah. It's, it's so funny as well because he's just like, hi, how you doing? I'm Casey Affleck. <laughs> like, so soft-spoken and quiet and still, but he's the devil. <laughs> but I feel like a lot of the performances this year, we'll get into my five-star film, but um, where you can be as uh, 
you can be Emily Blunt or you can be these people, but you disappear. You and shook be- his fucking hand <laughs> and like threw a wine glass against a wall. But you, you as a character, dis- uh, you as an actress or actor disappear and you become that character. Yep. That is chef's kiss. Brilliant. Yes. Um, but yeah, Oppenheimer, I, I fucking adore that film. Um, like we said, it, it, it will probably win Best Picture, and I'll I be like, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Uh, it fell at number four on my list. Ah. Oh. Yeah. I'm intrigued. Yes, yes. This is exciting. So that's my number four. All right. Where do we go from here? Um, I'm looking at my list. Again, I'm just going to throw out a couple that are, like, lower down. Um, yes. I'll save... Yeah, fuck it. I'll just pepper in a few recommendations. Yeah. Um, if no one ha- has seen, if you haven't seen Godzilla minus one yet, go I the fuck love, watch that. I love. Okay, you explaining that film to me made me want to watch it. It's go great. It is. Go. It is a classic like Toho Showa era Godzilla movie where it is a deep, heartfelt character study and an examination on post-war malaise, a sense of duty, uh, abandonment. Oh, yeah, and Godzilla's in the background. Yes, I love and, that. And it's really like every 40 minutes they're like, oh, fuck, we need a monster attack, right. <laughs> yeah. We've been dealing with this family, dealing with the fact that he was a kamikaze pilot who shirked his duty and, like, you know, what is honour? Oh, yeah, wait, what? When is it set? Uh, it's set in the 40s, immediately yeah. post-World War Two. I love this. And so, like, he comes back to his home and it's like a fucking... Like blown out old town, they have to rebuild the buildings with and stuff. nothing to do with Godzilla, yep. just because of World War Two. Yep, and then there's Godzilla. Yep, oh, I'm in. Great, I'm it is in. a fucking fantastic movie, and the action's great. But then it's also, it. I'm like, there were scenes where I'm just like, it feels like um, if this was in black and white, I'd be like, oh, is this a Kurosawa film? Ooh. Like, it's just a beautifully shot character film. I, I loved it. I, I loved it. I loved it. Um. Sign me up. Similarly, just if you want some great, fun, introspective character stuff, uh, Asteroid City fucking rules. The Wes Anderson film. Um, I'm a sucker for Wes. I know he's kind of soured for a lot of people lately. Um, I I loved The French Dispatch. I I thoroughly enjoyed Isle of Dogs. Like to me, I'm like, no, he's never he hasn't really faulted for me. Um, yeah. And I think this is a phenomenal piece of work. I made. unfortunately got very drunk on our three hundred. Mm-hmm. Or whatever it was when we did um, Life Aquatic. Oh, yes, yes. And I think I poo-pooed on Wes. Oh, no, but I get it. Anytime someone's like, I don't like Wes Anderson, I'm like, oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I get it. But that's actually what I like about you is that you do appreciate the artist's objective. Oh, yeah. And Especially so... when it's uh, such sev- like severe art as Wes Anderson. <laughs> where it's, and Asteroid City is Wes Anderson as fuck. But yeah. like... For me, it's always been style over substance. Yeah. And, I, and I'm not saying that I'm right. I'm yeah. just saying that's what I experience. To me, what really made Asteroid City come together is its framing device. Where, like, what you see in the trailer, how it's like, oh, we've been, you know, we're stuck in this desert town and there's a UFO and alien and blah, 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 blah. That's a play. What do you mean? It, the framing device is that is like a play being put on on Broadway and then you get some glimpses of behind the scenes and the writing process ah. of it all. And all of that stuff shot in black and white. It's beautiful, I think. And like Edward Norton plays the playwright of that show. It's, it's 
phenomenal. I what? Yeah. Where did you put it in your list? Twenty-one. Ah, okay. Yep, right, just a hair above Spider-Man uh, across the Spider-Verse. See, this is intriguing <laughs> for me because you keep wanting me to watch it. I'm like, are you serious? I, if, what? You, you've not seen the first one into the Spider-Verse. <laughs> no. You will lose your goddamn mind. Really? Yeah. Oh. It, is, it is so fucking good. Oh. Yeah, and I... Yeah, like I, Claire and I went and saw this one opening night in Gold Class. <laughs> like, yeah, like they, they are the animated Spider Man movies are phenomenal. Where would you rate them uh, as to the live action? Uh, th- I still think Spider Man 2 is the best Spider Man film that's ever been made. Is in the, the Tobey Maguire Spider Man 2? Oh, okay, yeah. cool. With um, Alfred Molina as Doc Ock and things. Like, that's a Sam Raimi cooking on all cylinders. <laughs> oh, like, fuck yeah. Yeah, it, it's great. It's great. Mm. And I'm a sucker for Kiki Dunst. So. <laughs> <laughs> Who isn't? Yeah. She's rad. She's the best. Um, da, da, da. You haven't seen May, December, so all no, I'll say is watch so, that movie. It's so weird because everything I've seen on it is not hitting my vibe at all. And I'm like, I don't want to watch that. Yeah. But then I'm like, everyone's like saying this is great. Yeah, it is. My I think my Letterboxd review was Camp with a capital C. Ooh. Yeah. It is just... Camp with a capital C. Yeah, it is just a campy fucking fun soap opera comedy of a weird movie. I love that you yeah. love that though. Yeah, it's the best. I I was May. I think my favorite f- film experience at MIF this year was May December. Wow. Yeah, just the audience interaction and people like getting it and yeah. laughing out loud and being like, "Oh, this is fucking weird. This is almost like a John Watersy movie at point. Oh, like this is weird. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah." Speaking of films that John Waters loved. Yes. I don't know if you want to get into no, that No, that was where I was actually going to go. Okay, cool. So, you, you tell us, <laughs> what film are we talking about? We're talking about Ari Aster's amazing film, Bo is Afraid. <laughs> <laughs> A film I that up until, up until the rewatch, because it used to be at my number two of the year. Wow. Until you came over and uh, watched it for the first time, and it was my rewatch, and it bumped it down to number seven. So, but plus, I saw, plus I've seen some other stuff. Other films, yeah. yeah. But um, Ari, Ari Aster is, for me, it's, it's just been all hit, no miss. Yeah. I, I loved Hereditary. We did, a, we, did a, um, we did a podcast on Hereditary. Yeah, a commentary on Patreon, yeah. I love Midsummer even more. Midsummer for me is a five out of five masterpiece, and I would love to get into that with you at another point. Really, because that's probably my least favorite. I know, I know, I know, and that's what makes me love it even more. That movie, yeah. Um, but was afraid. Where the fuck do I even? I just want to like kind of pull my hair out because I can't even begin talking about it. It's like two nuts. Yeah, it's two nuts. It's him doing an anxiety comedy. (sighs) It's. Yeah, it it it's such a weird and fun ride. Um, I know a lot of people didn't vibe with it. John Waters did. Yes, well, of course he did. <laughs> the movie has a spoiler alert: giant caged penis monster in an attic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> that it was your father. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, I'm. I'm oh, s- that sex scene with the Mariah Carey music. Talk about best needle drops of the year. 
Uh, I yeah. felt like the first hour of the film or 40 minutes was like, yes, yes, yes. And then I was like, okay, so the bit where he's trying to leave his apartment to go, what was it? He, he, he needs to, he must have the pills with water. Yes, but he's accidentally <laughs> had the pills and he doesn't have the water. And then he leaves his apartment, yeah. but then every fucking creep. And we were having this discussion that like all of those crazy people on the street, you would see not one of them is too outrageous. Like you would see one of them, but it's just like, they're all there yeah, and they yeah. go into his apartment and, and, and it's just like, you don't, that's your yeah. apartment, man. You want that in there. Yeah. Um, and you're just so in and then he has his bath and there's that guy above who's just as scared But then as the brown him. recluse spider crawls on his face. <laughs> it's my, my thing about Bo is afraid is, it, is it a comedy? Yes, I, it's hysterically funny. Oh my god! It is a it's a comedy. I, I okay. rate it as a comedy. Um, I could listen to Joaquin Phoenix say, "Oh no!" <laughs> like forever <laughs> in that voice. Um, it, it, but I get it because it, it moves in such a bizarre fashion, where like where it decides to go as a narrative and where it kind of mixes up, like it's. Um, You've got, like you said, that whole first hour is like the anxiety attack about not being able to leave your house. And then it's him at Nathan Lane and Amy Ryan's house and feeling trapped again in that scenario. And then when he's finally able to break free and he's in the woods, I get that the woods section loses everybody. Where he comes across like the weird art players and then he's watching the play that is like the allegory for like a man who's free and able to examine and explore his life and he gets lost in the world. Like, it's an odyssey. It's, yeah, it's an odyssey. And I get – and it's fucking long and I get why when it shifts away from that kind of more broader abstract com- like nonsensical comedy aspects to or like that neo-realistic like the hyper bizarre shit to a very – bizarre kind of almost Gilliam-esque storybook fantasy and it's not funny anymore like it can kind of turn on people but then the second he gets back to his mother's house and it's the funeral and it's like the headless body lying there and then all the stuff with Parker Posey and then his mother again massive spoilers for Bo is Afraid turning out that it was all a ruse to be like you don't care about your mother (laughs) hilarious hilarious but if it were based in some kind of a reality, mm-hmm. then it would be weird. But if you really thought about it, if Bo's life is from day to day that, mm-hmm. what? why is he so freaked out? Why does he have anxiety? This is the world he lives in. It's Then why, why, it's, why it's, anything? It's the anxiety he has. It's all been instilled on him from his mother and the treatment of how, of how his mother treated him from a young age. And it's is it it's actually a, his reality or is it his interpretation of his, bit, of reality? Bit of both. Bit of both. Yeah. And it's basically a giant. I was lost. It's a giant discussion about how our parents fuck us up. Which is, could be why I relate to it. <laughs> why I like it so much. I love the letterbox reviews for this film. Yeah. And I love the um, memes and, and everything that came out about it. I think Joshi and I watched one where it was like um, Ari Aster's 
uh, parents watching all yes, of his films. It was like hereditary. Like, oh, I think it's you know, I think I think that, that, that's artistic. I think. I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah. maybe it's artistic. And then um, it's it goes through all these films, and the last one is just like them going, oh, you didn't have your son exactly. enough. The last one ends with um, uh, we need to talk, the the Johnsons, his short film, where it's about the son sexually assaulting the dad. <laughs> You didn't hug your son. That's enough. why he's vomiting like the dad's like. Oh, and then um, Ayo, what's her name? Oh, Ayo Adabiri. Yeah. yeah, she's like, you, you, Arya, so you come to my grandma's church. We will <laughs> yeah, pray for yeah, you. Yes. Like, <gasps> I love Ayo's. If you don't, no one follows Ayo on Letterbox. It, she's a she's a stellar fucking follow on Letterbox. Oh um, man, I love that woman. Um, I've got yeah. to be. I've got to be honest. Bo's afraid baffled me yeah. i was in i was in i was in and then i was just like i don't even know what's going yeah. on anymore it's dense as fuck and Ugh. it's and not all of it works and it's it's also in that very kind of lynchian way of a lot of it doesn't work and it's just it's just feeling i guess like yeah. it's it's evoke trying to evoke a mood without necessarily trying to string everything together cohesively as a narrative i know what you mean and it's yeah. more thematically if it is working and it because of that, it makes it harder to kind of follow through and connect. But I you loved it. I loved it. it. I, you, I think you it's were a, like you were yeah. like that was perfection. Yeah, and uh, I had a great like first time watching in the movies. Like so many people walked out, but there was like me and like three other people who were like cackling with laughter, <laughs> and we're just like, all right, yeah, you, you're my people. Yeah, <laughs> three other randos in this cinema. You get it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I'm so disappointed in myself for not being that way. No, it's but I've fine. I've got to be honest, like, that was my reaction. Yeah. It, it happens. Like, sometimes movies vibe with you and sometimes they don't. Like, the big one for me lately is, and it's just like, did we, to the point of like, did we watch the same movie? Um, is I am the only person in my office. I'm the lone defender of Bottoms. Well, we were just talking about her. Yeah. And you were, yeah, you were saying that no... No, Everyone else really in my office vibed with it. hates it. I, and I'm like, how? That what is great. Yeah, that is my like comedy of the year, other than Bo is Afraid. But, but that's like, oh, if we're talking broad comedy, like capital C comedy, Bottoms is the top comedy on my list. So you gave me the bre- breast, you gave me the best preface, <laughs> and it was like, um, you were saying it was like Lonely Island-esque in terms yeah. of its surreal comedy. Yes, I think the line I said, it's a type of comedy film where at any point the character could break into a musical number and you'd be like, yeah, this is fine. Yep, I would would accept that. Yeah. Um, I am shocked that in your workplace, a workplace of film and film lovers, that that went down, but... I actually thought Bottoms was probably one of my favourite films of the year. Fucking fantastic. It was so good. Yep. And the music, and you told me... Charlie XCX did the music, And I don't know... I mean, I know who that is, but I wouldn't have anticipated that. Like, music was great. Yeah. I'm not saying that she's not. I don't know who... Unexpected, like, you know, it's not the type of music we listen to normally. No, that's what I'm trying to say. But, um, no, the comedy was great. Mm. And I was saying to you, like, you said you watched um, Bridesmaids or rewatched Bridesmaids, and what I like about Bridesmaids is some of the other lower characters who don't who aren't part of the main thing mm. have these like well established characters yeah and you're just like yep that tracks well with that person and so for me with um bottoms i really like that some of the lesser characters or on the sidelines characters you just you, you wouldn't like 
at the end again, spoiler alert, there's the the tree or something blows up mm. and there's this one girl who just like, yay! Yeah. <laughs> but you'd seen her in like three or four film uh, scenes earlier where she just like would do that, like... I don't know. I, I need. I want to find her name, but the woman who's like their um, third friend. Oh yes. Yeah, like I thought They're she so was mean to her, but but, she's but she so takes everything great. on a literal. Yeah. Everything she they say literally. I loved her. I thought yes. she, her performance was incredible. Yes. And she's just happy to have friends. Like yeah, just loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Yeah. She's like I suppose the McLovin of the group. Yes. Like yes. Which is again like. It, you guys not getting that this is a like taking all these stereotypical tropes of high school movies and fucking with them? Like, I would love re-watch... to have them um, defend why they didn't love it because I actually can't think why they. Wouldn't I, I love think it. it really is the thing of like they just didn't find it funny, mm. and you, it's that similar thing where you're just like, well, with you can't. That, yeah, that's a full stop. You can't like, argue well, with you that. Can't yeah. argue with that. No. Um, meanwhile, I'm just like that was my jam. <laughs> that is mm. my sense of humor. Um, yeah, I just, I just loved it. I thought it, it's such a wonderful, yeah, like I said, Bizarre, subversion. weird. And it's fucking with the tropes of a stereotypical high school film. Like, there is so much weirdly, like, not another teen movie-esque jokes in this. And it's like, like, it's fucking with it all. None of the, none of the adults, I'm putting that in parentheses, none of the adults in these films work. Like, as in... No. The, the teacher who, um, ex, uh, what's the word, like... Leads the oh yeah the, fight the, club. the NFL player who's That's, like none of this yeah, yeah, works none, yeah. none of this actually happens no, I'm no. a teacher and like, none and of this like the principal works. like will the ugly gay lesbians please report to the principal's yes. office like yeah that is for me what makes this film sing yeah. because we're uh, we're not in reality yeah. here it's so bizarre and weird and yeah. I'm in and ever since you've seen it how many times have we said like Jeff couldn't you have just done that with an analogy (laughs) it's become like one of my favourite fucking lines of the year (laughs) you could have used an analogy man (laughs) but I love is Jeff the main guy yeah yeah shut up nerd I fucked your mom He's my favorite yeah. of the whole lot. He yeah. is so funny. And just like the over-exaggerating on the crutches and then suddenly in the back you see him just like throw them away and start <laughs> dancing. It's like... And it's, it's weirdness. pineapple, but they pineapple. Anyway. Oh, yeah. And like weirdness of like re-watching it. I, I went and saw it a second time where it's like... They'll be having like a really intense scene, and then just all of a sudden, peep extras will walk in the front of the frame and block the shot. Like, what? Are you, what are you doing? <laughs> just like weirdness for but the sake of. But it's not unintentional. No, that's everything it. Yeah, is yeah. intended. Um, Emma oh, Siegelman's like so she's good. a very good filmmaker. She knows what she's doing. Um, her and Rachel Sennett wrote it, of course, and. The fun thing of uh, the three of them, Iowa I- to Beery included, like Io and Rachel were high- college roommates. That's how they kind of met and they did like we did, but they made funny videos and shit back in the day and that's how they kind of got their start and yeah. I love stories like that. Mm. Oh, I was just a roommate with, you know, And just John turns out, Boyd. oh, you found out like, yeah, fuck it. And then, because like I've known about it, I haven't followed IO for years, like, you know, just uh, stand up and like comedy shit and podcasts and then. She's supreme. And then it's like, oh, fuck, you're on the bear, dude. Oh, shit. You're like Emmy nominated. We haven't talked and... about TV because that would be a whole nother episode. Uh, the but... only TV I've seen, I finally watch succession this year yes and then the bear that's it like i everyone's like tv and i'm just like i do you know how many movies i watch do you know my name is chris yeah. and i watch film if i have two spare hours i'm watching a fucking movie because i have to yeah <laughs> so no i actually know that for a fact that there was a point where you're like 
in a 48-hour period, I have to watch seven films. Oh, just fucking Sundance is coming up later this month. That's going to be insane. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think, like, my biggest week on Letterboxd was, like, logged close to 20 in a week or something. Like That's gnarly, man. Yeah. I do that... No, I don't do that. <laughs> yeah. I was going to be like, I do that in December. No, yeah. I don't do Again, that. this is more just justifying why there haven't been more regular episodes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Bottoms, man, I fucking loved that movie so much. I'm really glad I did too. And, yeah. I, and it was like a Hot Rod-esque. Yeah. It's super surreal and weird. And I'm, I'm down. I'm and in. I'm just like, bring on more weird comedies, please. Yes. Like, I'm all for it. Yes. Um, that fell at number 13 on my list. <sighs> Fuck yeah. Yeah. I can see that. And uh, so what I'll do is uh, we'll work our way up the list maybe then. Okay. And I'll uh, just, because uh, we'll get to number nine where we'll talk about stuff. But uh, I'll just shout out uh, the next couple. Um, All of Us Strangers, the new uh, Andrew Haig film. Um, I love Andrew Haig films. I, I know it hasn't really come out here yet. It's going to be coming out, I think, in the next week or two. Um, go see it. Uh, pack your tissues. It's just a fucking beautiful, beautiful movie. Andrew Scott, Paul Mescal, um, fucking Billy Elliot crushes it. <laughs> uh, Jamie Bell. Paul Mescal, is this the... After Sun yeah, uh, Fuckboy, yeah. N- he plays a great fuckboy in this movie. <laughs> but is um, Sexy Priest in this film? Yeah, he's the lead. If they, so they're just sexy sexy fuckboys all around. Pretty much, yeah. And, oh, fuck and, yeah, and, Cla- and, Claire, and Claire Foy. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah. It is a beautiful movie about relationships and connection and kind of being able to reconcile with your past. It is a beautiful film and I loved it. Um, you had me at fuckboy. I, I had a little higher on my list, but the more it sat with me, it's... I, I, I sometimes have issues with films where I think they're openly trying to emotionally manipulate me. Um, a good example would be last year, the movie Close, which I is a exceptional film, but it hit a certain point after I've been crying for 30 straight minutes. I'm like, you're doing this on purpose. Like, you're, this is bordering on emotional manipulation. This kind of slightly dips a toe in there. Like, I, I think I, I cried like eight, nine times in this movie. But... I would love to have a podcast where we just talk about this topic. Because... <laughs> Emotional manipulation within art. <laughs> because would you not think that all cinema is emotional manipulation? Yes. But I agree because I can see it when I'm watching a film. You're trying to emote this from me. Yeah by X, Y, and Z, the typical tropes. Yes. But then how can I poo-poo you on it? Because isn't all film trying to manipulate yeah. me yeah. emotionally? What what do you deem as acceptable versus unacceptable? I, like, I, guess I, not, I know exactly, no, but I'm, what I'm not, saying is... Not, I'm, I would say excessive over accessible, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Like when you're kind of just pushing it a little bit too hard in that... Like, I mean, one, one, a film I will get to shortly, I think, uh, Zone of Interest, is mm. that is a film that fucks you up, but I don't think is excessive. In I what know is, what you mean. Yeah, you, you know I what, know what you mean. Yeah, it's it's hard restrained, to, but it's... It's hard to articulate, but I know what you yeah. mean. But it's funny because I watch films sometimes and I'm like, I know what you're trying to make me feel. Yeah. You're emotionally manipulating me right now. But yeah. I'm like... Wait, isn't all film? Yeah, it's weird. It's it, a weird. It's a weird thing. balancing yeah. act. Yeah, um, but I mean, that's not. That's like the the slightest of slight dings against the film. I, I yes. loved it. Otherwise, 
Um, then at number 11 is The Boy and the Heron. Uh, okay. Miyazaki. Okay. So I'm livid that I haven't watched this film. I am a... Yeah. Yeah. I'm a Ghibli crazy fan. Yes. But, okay, here we go. So I can't talk to you about this film because I haven't seen it. But it's interesting because I know people who have. And one person who has is a 12-year-old girl that I know, a family member. And she loves um, uh, Spirited Away mm-hmm. and um, How's Moving Castle. She's a huge <laughs> fan of that kind of thing. She goes to me, oh, it is not good. But yeah. then, but this this is my thing. Like I could dismiss that and be like, "Oh, you young child, what do you know?" But I'm like, "No, you're a, you're an audience member just as much as the rest of us. You're entitled to your opinion." Mm. Again, I can't argue it because I haven't seen the no, film. I'm it is devastated. A, not a film for kids. Oh, it is, it is an adult Ghibli movie. Would you put it in the realm of um, The Wind Rises? Yes. Oh, by the way, we didn't even discuss this, but is Oppenheimer the wind rises? Anyway. Yes. <laughs> um, no, like the point, it's um, like our friend, Eric, you guys, all listeners, you know, Eric, uh, went out drinking with him at New Year's recently and we were sitting there very drunk and he's like, "Ooh, I saw the boy in the heron. It's dense. <laughs> mm. And I'm like, yeah, it is. And like, we started to get into a little bit and he was like, I just don't know. And I'm like, I, my take on it is the more it sat with me, the more I've appreciated and loved it. And it's, it's a film about me as it's about reckoning with legacy and moving f- and how does one move forward? And it's openly, I think Miyazaki addressing that stuff, like without getting into spoilers and things, but there's like a very specific scene towards the end of the film where I, I told Eric, my take on that scene is that is literally Miyazaki saying, this is Studio Ghibli. Like, what do I? What What happens with this after I leave? Oh, like, sign me up. It's 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 dense as fuck, and it's dealing with post like post World War Two stuff in Japan again, similar to Godzilla. It's it's not a kids movie, but it I wish has I that, had have seen it so we could have had it more. But it has discussion. that stereotypical Ghibli where it's a a small child goes down a rabbit hole and goes finds themselves in a fantasy world. So it has that. With the hair and with fucking teeth. I'm not up for that. Oh, that like, guy what? is gnarly. Yeah, anyway. But then you've got these sweet little, like, bubbly guys, marshmallow men called the Wada Wada. They're so cute. Ugh. And then there's a fucking parakeet army. <laughs> it's, it's, it's great. It's fucking fantastic. <laughs> I have to say, I am disappointed that I haven't seen it because Miyazaki don't bring out films no, every fucking No, he came year. out of retirement to make this film. This which, again, special. I'm like, how do people not understand this is him re- reckoning with what is legacy, what is the future, what... Does any of this matter? Like, do I pull this one Jenga block and it all falls down and it doesn't matter? Like, okay, yeah, it's, Chris. Yeah. When I see this film, you and I are going to have a discussion. If you want to have microphones yeah. involved, let's yeah. have microphones involved. Oh, for sure. Because Miyazaki is for me one of my faves. Yes, I'm very disappointed for this episode that I didn't. have. No, no, it's it's fine. Again, it's 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 a hard one to kind of. It's still in cinemas, but it's you know it's it's a hard one to catch. It, yes, you know what. What's hard for me? It's someone to go with. Yeah. Maybe I'll just go by myself. Oh, man. I, you know me. I swear by going to the movies by yourself. It's my fucking happy place. And not to say that I don't dislike going with other people, but I... I man, I got a custom a while ago to go in by myself, and it's the fucking best. Well, in terms of, okay, taking me to the cinema, mm. should we then jump in with... You took me to the um, Jewish 
film festival yes. here in Melbourne to go see a certain film. Uh, Jonathan Glazer's The Zone of Interest. Yes. Oh, man. Uh, which I will say is going to be released here in Australia in February. But we um, did actually watch it in Melbourne at the film festival. Oh, yeah, festival. yeah. No, no. Like, it's, yeah, it's, I think it's out in, it's out in the US at the moment. Uh, A24 has put it out. So. It's one of those films where you can give the concept to, uh, the context concept, whatever, to anyone, and they will be in. I remember seeing the film clip, and I'm like, oh, I'm in. And it is a Jonathan Glazer as fuck movie. And I'm going to be honest, I don't know his films. Uh, he's one Sexy of those amazing beast. filmmakers. He's been making films for 30 years, and this is his fourth movie. Yes, I he's love that. He's kubrick yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's Sexy Beast, um, uh, Birth. With Nicole Kidman, which yeah. is amazing, and uh, then uh, Under the Skin, which is a masterpiece. Mm. And then this it makes which is me want to rewatch. It makes me want to rewatch his film. Oh, not rewatch, mm. just watch his yeah. films. This film to me, it, it's it's the how one. Do I'm, even? Yeah, how do I, you even? I will say, and this isn't just a work plug. It's like go see this in a cinema. You have to see. See this film in a cinema, I say, as I'm hiccuping. <laughs> um, because of the, the sound, sound design. It's... This film will win sound design. Like, if yeah. we're talking awards, this It probably will win. won't, but... It should. It should, but it won't. Because what is it rated? Uh, here in Australia? Yes. It uh, hasn't come back from classification yet, but okay. it will probably be M, because it's PG-13 in the US, That's and it is about Auschwitz. That's so gnarly. But there is no violence in the film. There's no violence, there's no sex, there's no swearing. It is completely through sound design and your own understanding and interpretation of what that is. This Just film... hearing a constant sound of mechanical and burning in the background. And you, as an educated adult, know what that is. And it is terrifying. And... You can sort of disassociate and go, okay, well, these characters, or not even characters, these real people are living in the middle of Auschwitz or on the outskirts of Auschwitz. Literally, their fence is the fence of Auschwitz, yeah. And, okay, cool, they're having a normal life. It doesn't matter how removed you are from Auschwitz. If you have Auschwitz on the other side of your fence, you are affected. And I love how their children play and they the the shotguns that it, the the shot sounds that are going off in the background become part of the children's play it's, it's the it's I the reason for the title it. they exist in a their own personal zone of interest yes inside this little bubble and yes. are whether it's willfully ignorant or oblivious to what is occurring it's it is such a deeply fascinating examination of the horrors of complicity within wartime mm. and and kind of the the willingness for man to just kind of follow orders or follow the status quo or do what is done and put blinders on to the actual horrors of reality it is a profoundly important piece of filmmaking i think profoundly and because a brilliant brilliant film because <laughs> It doesn't matter, like, if you were a person, a prisoner of Auschwitz. These people were literally not. They were the opposite. They were benefiting from Auschwitz, mm. but they were still affected. They were still fucked up from mm-hmm. by it. But it's also kind of a surreal film in terms oh, yeah. of especially the 
the last third of the film. It becomes very surreal. Yeah, and this is one where I'd be ve- like, let's not go into too much spoilers because it's not really. It's it's hard. Like it's not coming out for another month or two, yes. and like we'll try and be as vague as we can. Mm-hmm. But Jonathan Glazer does a lot of stuff to really emphasize his unique style as a filmmaker and really hammer home the point of perspective. I suppose mm. that's as kind of a as whole reference to it. And, yes. Um, yeah. It's... It's harrowing, but really unoffensive. Like, mm. as in, like, I would... Like you're saying, a, a child could go to this film technically because of the rating. I wouldn't take a child no, to this film, no. but... but you can leave it's, this film being very it's, affected it's by a film it that without I, like, seeing anything. I hope in years we get shown in high school and stuff like yes, that. Like, yes, that's what it, I mean. It's a film everyone should see. It is not an easy watch at times, but it is, yeah, it's it's a, a fucking masterpiece. It's, there's uh, moments where, I know you don't want to get into spoilers, and I won't get into the latter half of the film, but there's moments where the, the shot becomes... Um, Filled with colour, for example. Yes. And I won't go into it much of it, but you're just left with the sound. Mm. And sound in this film is everything. And I just feel like your imagination plus the sound plus certain visuals. It's, yeah. It, it, if it, this doesn't win sound design, what will? Because this Oppenheimer. is amazing. Ah, fuck Oppenheimer. <laughs> yeah. But, really? Yeah. 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 Because everyone saw Oppenheimer, not everyone's going to watch this. And and it's the yeah, it's it's the Oscars. It's, yeah. I know, but, but we yeah yeah, but it's the one it's like I, I just Oscars, really hope that Glazer gets at least a director nomination because it's it's a nom would be good. Yeah, because he won director and the grand jury prize at Cannes. Um, everyone thought it was going to win the Palme d'Or, but it didn't. It went to another Sandra Hula film. Yes, Sandra Hula. Uh, the Hula Hive is rising. <laughs> <laughs> She's having a fucking year, right? So I only f- I know what you're getting to. Mm. I watched uh, Anatomy of a Fall yes. last night yes. in preparation for today. Yes, I was and... able to help facilitate that for you. Yes, yes. <laughs> Sandra Hula, come yep. on, girl. If she's best actress nominee for sure, right? Yes. Yeah. But that film yep. was so good. You yep. so good. Okay. I'm just going to put it out there. If you haven't watched it, stop listening now and uh, come back. It comes back out you... at the time of the, at least here in Australia. I know it's out in the UK and the US now. Um, in Australia, it comes out in, from when this episode drops in a week and a half, two weeks time. Okay. So cool. Like put a pause, jump ahead because... I haven't talked to Chris about this film, and I really fucking want to. Yeah. So, and this is one I've been singing its praises to everyone since Khan in May. Okay, here we go. So, I'm not a big fan of the beginning of the film. Mm-hmm. In fact, I watched this over two sittings, and I wasn't going to finish it because I was like, okay, cool, whatever. But when I sat down for the second sitting, I was like, this film fucking rocks. Yeah. And... Here's my dissertation. <laughs> please, 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 please. Lay it on me. So, courtroom dramas, hook it to my veins. Yep. But for me, it's the French courtroom drama where it's not someone having their, um, what's it called uh, when you interrogate? Testimony. Testimony. It's not one person's testimony and then the next day another person. It's a conversation. Yes. And 
I French just, courts are fucking wild. Wild, <laughs> wild. Um, but for me, like all the courtroom dramas from, say, the 90s where that was cool, it would always have the person having their moment and then uh, it would cut to, say, the lawyers late at night after that with their Chinese uh, takeaway boxes and their um, chopsticks talking about what happened. And then the next day, it would be the next person's turn to talk. Whereas this film, it's so nice because it's not that. It's not segregated. It's a conversation. Yes. And I love that. Hook um, it to my veins. I love that. You, you're talking about 90s courtroom dramas with like the second you said cut to them eating their Chinese food. I was going to make a joke and then I'm like, oh no, this is specifically one film. <laughs> and Lee, I've got a question for you. Yes. Can you handle the truth? <laughs> You get me. Yeah, you yeah. get where I'm going with this. So good. Because... Son, you need men like us. <laughs> <laughs> You're goddamn right I ordered the cold red. <laughs> this film, you just, you bypass all that because it's, when Sandra, Sandra Hula. Hula. Um, <laughs> There's a moment where uh, his, her husband, her ex-husband, psychologist, psychiatrist, whatever, is talking about his uh, state of mind yes. and how he, he was directly affected by her success, what, whatever. Yeah. Um, but she, she has an opportunity in that moment to go. Well, actually, that's not the full picture. That's not the full picture. You are uh, you. You know, if we all got to go have our psychologist talk, it would be several different versions of the truth, but mm. really what the version is. And how good is that yeah. to have that in the moment, that back Be and able forth to and have a conversation in real time, in, in a debate. In real time, yeah. and so good. Yeah. But my, my favourite is the meaning of the film where, um, again, spoiler alert, you've been warned, the sun is grappling with these very, very adult themes. Very adult themes. And he says to the carer, how do I I process this? I don't know what happened. I don't know what the truth is. I was not privy to my parents, the inner workings of my parents' relationship and their marriage. But she says to him, well, at the end of the day, it's a moment of choice. I'm not saying believe this or believe that. You have to just... Choose your reality. And I love that at the end of this film, we do not know concretely what happened. Yes. We just know that the son made a choice. Was the story that he told about his father in the car truth? Or was it he's made a choice and that story will therefore make that truth a fact? And then you get the slight glimpse of that he's still grappling with whatever that decision was because the, he's like no he's not ready for you to come home You're like it's yes. not, like, yeah oh, <laughs> oh yeah this film rocks it is i think like i jokingly like my pitch line to you because you're like i don't know man I'm, I'm like trust me it's a french english german film that's a courtroom drama but what's on trial is not him her for manslaughter it's their marriage yeah <laughs> that scene where um the playing of the tape <laughs> We've all had that. We've oh, all had that fight. Maybe we raw. haven't slapped anyone or we haven't thrown things or whatever, but we've all had that yeah. fight. And I was just like sitting like, oh, oh imagine like 
<laughs> yeah. Imagine everyone fucking listening. Like, yeah, and the, that's the thing that upsets her the most is that her son is there hearing it. It's what's so upsetting to her, but not that the fact that her husband has died, like that he has been put through this, which is like helps empathize her as a character where you're like, because she's so cold and so distant throughout the film. And you're like, no, she genuinely loves and cares for her son and doesn't want him to be put through this. And is, but just has to, oh, it's so so powerful. What do you think about, you know how Hollywood loved to like, okay, that was great. Let's make an American version of this. Would you think this would work as an American film? Well, the fact is it's like 49% in English. It's like it, a lot of it is in English. So would you need to? I'm not I'm not so worried if you'd need to. It's more like would it work? So you know like no. another round. No, you I need don't it. actually no. think it would work. Cuz it needs to be in that French court system yes, to it, make it work. You can't have that style and that setting in and that Because play what out makes it, it did. good is the back and forth the mm. conversation of the courtroom. It wouldn't work in an American... It wouldn't work. No, not at all. And, yeah, it's also one where, like, I don't know, with the hope of it hopefully getting a Best Picture nomination and stuff, it'll more people will see it. And I like to think post-Parasite, we're in a realm where it's like, oh, it's a bit of a foreign language, who gives a shit? I'll watch it. Like, And the word of mouth on it's just growing and growing and more people are getting to see it and it's realising, like, oh, yeah, this shit fucking rules. Mm. So... Yeah. I was surprised how much I loved it, considering, like I said, the first third I watched in a, in a single sitting going, ah, uh, mm. it's another one of Chris's films now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then and I was like, no, that's great. How good is it just a good courtroom drama sometimes? Yeah, sign me up. Yeah, because it has that wonderful thing where it shifts into, like, investigation for a little bit. And then once it's courtroom going, you're just like, I cannot look away from this now. I do have one faux pas, and that is, the, what the fuck is with the lawyer-client relationship? Oh, I know yeah, they, they used to fuck. Yeah. Oh. That's, that was, they, I view that as they used to fuck. Like, they were an old Sandra Hall is an old dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... Sandra Hula's performance is fucking incredible, as we've said. Um, if, if she's one hundred percent getting an Oscar nomination, um, she I, had a year. Yeah, right. Um, she's not going to win. Um, that'll go to hopefully yes. another movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, she's amazing in the film, and she's getting all the praise she so well deserves. Um, but the young actor who plays their son is fucking amazing in the film. Uh, I thought his performance and like the emotion he was able to convey as such a young actor was fucking incredible and heart. Sorry, again, I'm hiccuping in place. Uh, heartbreaking and beautiful um, as well. I'm so happy this there's an award at Cannes now called the Palm Dog, which goes to the best dog performance. Oh, fuck off. And Snoop won the Palm Dog this year because <laughs> uh. as he should, because that dog went through a lot in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> I was very upset at one point. Like, no, oh yeah, no. yep, 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 yep. <laughs> Enough said on that, but yeah, um, what a what a incredible incredible film uh, comes in at number nine on my list. Ooh. Yes. So, is there any more scaries you want to chuck in? Yeah, I'll throw in quickly the number ten film. Um, I'm not sure when this one's coming out here in Australia. It's um, Aki Kurosaki's Fallen Leaves, uh, which is a Ooh, yes, Finnish film. Yes, um, it is a beautiful relationship comedy drama. It feels like you're watching a lost 80s Jim Jarmusch movie. Mm. Um, just fucking beautiful. Just just beautiful movie. Love that. Cannot recommend that one highly enough. 
Um, but you'd mentioned other relationshipy stuff. Yes. Uh, I don't remember what on. was the connection I made just then, but it was the film I want to talk about is Past Lives. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't remember the connection to this one. What was I saying? I can't remember, but it was about like, uh, anyway. like not being a good match in a relationship, possibly. Anyway, so yes, I only just... When did you watch Past Lives? Uh, I saw that at the Sydney Film Festival in June. Okay, so I've just watched it a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting one because a lot of the people I say follow have put this at their number one. Uh, including me. Yeah. Yep. This, wow. is, this is my number one of the year still. Okay. I feel like you need to take the reins on this one then. Um, I just love it. It's This is a type of movie that is crack for me. Mm. Um, shush, George. I apologize about my cat. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. It just, it's one of those ones. It just worked for me on every single level and I connected with it and I just, I just loved it. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to kind of put into words. It just, it felt like a warm blanket of a film despite how it's got this creeping melancholy all throughout it. I just, and the fact that it's Celine Song's first film is jaw dropping for me. Like. So for me, I would put it as in. Sorry, I'd put it in a lost in translation esque. Yeah. I'd put it in that bracket. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like, what do we even begin with? Like. Yeah, it's it's one I I tried to kind of fit in my schedule to rewatch before we recorded this, but I haven't. Mm. Um. So I'm a little bit kind of foggy okay. on it. It's been so a while. For me, it's like you would anticipate the tropes that would happen in this film. Mm-hmm. And I love that the film addresses those. For example, um, again, spoiler, if you haven't watched it, well, stop listening now. Um, but there's a moment where the white American husband says mm-hmm. he addresses it. Oh, in this story, I would be the bad guy. Yeah. And I would be the one that's in the way of this amazing love story. Mm. And you're like, oh, I literally thought where we were going was that what was going to happen. But nope, nope, the films address that now. And now I don't know where we're going. In a good way, in a great way, because you're like, oh, I know what I, I've seen enough films to go. Okay, this this is this is where we're going, and you're like, no, 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 no the film's addressing that. And now I actually don't know what's happening well, next. The whole film is we're watching Anyang, that well, yes, which yes, we're watching yes. one of their past lives, yeah, where they were close to making the connection, but they didn't. Yes, that's that's what the film is, and that's what we're we're getting a glimpse of one of their past lives. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Deeply impactful. Yeah, and that that ending, that seven-minute-long tracking shot at the end, good Lord. So for me, while I was saying that sound design should go to Zone of Interest, um, cinematography should go to this film. And it's a weird one to say because of Oppenheimer and other films, which are way more grand. Mm. Um, The thing that stuck out to me in past lives was the minimal uh, visual imagery that has an emotional effect on you. So, for example, the very well, for a different example, there's a lot of sliding doors. There is mm-hmm. a lot of up and down. There is a lot of people going upstairs, and then the scene takes place where they're kind of half cut off. Or there's another scene that takes place where they're kind of half cut off in the downward way. But for me, the scene that is visually stunning is 
that seven long minute uh, end scene where they don't mm. really say anything, um, my heart was dragging in the opposite direction when she walks back to her husband but mm. leaves him behind. She's walking and there's these parked cars but the, the, the camera tracks along with her and what happens is the cars are pulling back in the opposite direction just by the walking. Mm-hmm. And and so visually you are drawn back towards him and therefore emotionally you are drawn back towards him but visually it's represented. Visually this film is spectacular in the way that there might not be a whole lot of dialogue going on, but visually and emotionally it is making it is again manipulating. We were saying that mm-hmm. before. You feel a certain way. And and that for me is what makes this film spectacular. It might not be the dialogue, it might not be the character development. It's the way it's filmed yep. that emotionally makes you feel a certain way. And again, calling back to I cannot believe this is her first film. Like, that's such an assured understanding of a cinematic visual language and how to execute it so perfectly yes. to to hammer home what you're saying with your film. It's Because her two characters are... Uh, I don't know what the right way to put this is, but emotionally limited because they never actually have the... They never... Well... There's one moment where they do, but for most part of the film, they actually never address their connection. Mm. It it's in it's it's you you know it, you feel it, but it's not actually addressed mm. uh, in a dialogue sense. But visually, oh man, this film visually tells everything. It tells you everything, mm. and. You know, if you might not pick up on that, you might miss it. You yeah. might miss it. I, the person I was watching it with was like, I don't get it. Why does everyone love this film? I'm like, I was in. Mm. I was in it's, emotionally. It's the one where ever since I saw it, I'm like, oh, this is my favorite film of the year. And yeah. it has not, it has not dropped off that y- spot Yeah. since. And it is just because of how just blown away by I was. And, I mean, I'm a sucker for these types of movies. Like, you look back at some of my other year lists, and it's like Nomadland is, like, my number one. Like, I like smaller character-based mm. films over these kind of more bigger bombastic things. And this, to me, as you were saying, the visual language and the storytelling, it did it all. Like, it, it took a small, intimate story and just blew it out onto a visual scale that made me just fall in love. Yeah, this film is nuts. Plus, you know, it ends with a Sharon Van Etten song, so I'm in <laughs> for that as well. So, I yeah. love how she finally cries in New York, and that's the ending. <sighs> she finally cries in New York. It's, it's that, and then when she gets back and her husband's sitting there waiting on the stoop for her, knowing... So like, can we all agree that oh, her husband is, like, the husband of the yes. year? Yes. Like, we all want to John, be married to him. I love John Megaru as an actor so much, and I, I think, yeah, he's phenomenal in this film. Because... And he has the toughest job, yeah. and he is so good. He's great. Yeah. Like, you... Like you say, you watch this film and you anticipate how it's going to go, mm-hmm. but the, the film addresses it and it moves on. And you're like, oh, this well, guy's. The film also addresses it from the opening scene, where it's the other outsiders from the bar commenting on what this relate, what this dynamic yes. is, and they present it as that multiple, like you know, what it could be oh, scenario, man. and we never, yeah. 
It's Perfect. phenomenal. Fashion. Phenomenal film. Amazing. Um, like I said, it, it's my number one of the year, and I, I fucking adore it. And um, I've had the Blu-ray um, sitting out, the US Blu-ray sitting out on the coffee table for like three weeks, being like, Claire, can we watch Past Lives? Claire, can we watch Past Lives? Claire, can we w- please watch fucking Past Lives again? <laughs> She's just not in the mood, and I'm like, I get it, but yeah. Yeah, I think... To be honest, I'd wonder if if you didn't have an understanding of the language of cinema, mm-hmm. would you connect with this film? I, I think so. I think so. If if like, I mean, there again falls into that thing. If you're not on the vibe of the relationship story, you might not. But otherwise, but yeah, it's I, I'm fascinated by it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, it is because I, I know. Masterpiece I mean, Eric, visual like, storytelling again, to bring him up. Eric, I know Eric and Tina both watched it. And they both were like four and a half stars as a fucking masterpiece. Like, um, I was actually yeah. thinking of them because when we did our music episode, yes. they were talking about Alone in Kyoto and they were yeah. talking about saying goodbye at an airport. Or, so I wonder I if that hit them on that different level. In I that would way. say so. The long distance relationship stuff, yeah. That would, for me, I'm not, all I mean is I'm not surprised by their reaction. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. totally. It, it's, it's phenomenal. It's beautiful. It's, ah. Oh. It's cinema, though. Yes. It's like just as much as Oppenheimer is cinema. Yeah, this is but cinema. on such a different scale. But in a different it, scale, but equally just impactful, equally and, like yeah. amazingly filmed. Like yeah. who filmed this? This cinematographer. It's going to go to Oppenheimer, but it should go to the whoever the cinematographer is. Part size it, it probably won't even get nominated. Oh. It's going to get, I think, screenplay and picture. Oh, no, it should get cinematography, <laughs> and they should win. Yep. It's epic. You never know. You never know. But, yeah, it's, it's epic. It's a beautiful fucking uh, film about relationships and love and lost and past, I mean, past I know, lives and connections. I feel yeah. like I'm harping on about the way it's filmed more than, say, the No, but the it's story that's important. Line, yeah. But I'm really, like, blown away by yeah. how it was filmed. That's all I mean by mm. that. <sighs> um, Where to go from here? Well, I'm going to throw out like, well, that was my number one. Mm-hmm. Um, my number two yep. is one that um, it's only played at film festivals so far, and I believe it'll be coming out sort of around Easter time. Uh, it's uh, Coriator's new film, Monster, which yes. I know you haven't seen. No. Um, but I, I'm a sucker for a Coriator film, and uh, this is a beautiful movie. I have I adore it. Um, it's a very Rashomon-esque film where it's three storylines all about uh, the power of perspective and how that can kind of change. And this is the teacher-student film, Yes, right? it is. Oh, man. Yeah. Sign me up. I'm so excited for this. It, the Why I think you'll love it is um, I, it reminded me of when you and I went and saw Good Times at the, um, yes. at the film festival. Yes. And the credits started rolling, and I was like, all right, let's go. And you were just bawling. <laughs> it's that thing where, like, you're, you're at a film festival, and it's, like, a fucking crowded, there's not a spare seat in the cinema, you know, these big theatres, and then the credits end, and if you've been emotionally hit with the film... You're like, I can't, I can't. I suddenly have to deal with reality. That was me with Monster. I was... I was wrecked by the ending and sitting there weeping and all of a sudden the house lights come on at the Astro. I'm like, oh, fuck, reality? Okay, yeah. <laughs> i got to deal with this. Oh, Just, yeah. I hate that. Yeah. I love, hate that. Like, yeah. equally love and equally hate that. Yeah. It, that, oh. That's sort of one that I think is not, has kind of been lost in the shuffle of films this year. Um, there have been many. It, 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 it had a Josh. big reception at Cannes. I think it won Best Screenplay and The Queer wow. Palm. 
Um, but ever since then, it, it's 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 been floating around, but it hasn't been getting the recognition that I think it deserves. Like I said, it's my number two of the year. That's mental I, that I, it's your number two. Yeah, uh, so it's one where, where if and when it comes out, wherever you're listening, do yourself a favor, especially if you're a fan of Coriator films. Um, I wasn't the biggest fan of Broker, his last movie, but like Shoplifters, the one he did before that was fucking phenomenal. Um, Go check it out. Hmm. And, you know, if you're listening to Criterion, you, you know who Coriator is. He's got <laughs> heaps of films. Like, you know. Yeah. Um, go go watch Monster. It's phenomenal. It's so funny because the poster and all that looks oh, and the Oh, ti- and the title, Monster, is like, once you've seen the film, it, it makes sense. But okay. it, is, it is a... It, it's similar to Zone of Interest. How the fuck do you market this film? Like what, what? What do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, it, it's a hard film to sell to an audience, but it it, it it's so so lovely, and mm. I adore it. Mm. Um, I'll throw out one or two two more, just other quick ones. Uh, poor things, fucking rules. I'm so bummed I didn't see that for this podcast because I'd love to dissect that with you. You you'll have a blast with it, I think. Yeah, um, I think I will. Uh, and the other one, again, coming out later this year, fest, similar festival thing, is Vim Vendor's Perfect Days. Um, fantastic film. Um, just beautiful, quiet. It's like my the Insta tagline is like it's a don't sweat the small stuff kind of movie. It's just a week in a life of a guy who just loves f- like taking photos of trees, listening to old cassette tapes, and his job is a man who cleans toilets. And it's just like be content with what you find. Have perfect days. Just I feel be, like we all need to see this film. F- find 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 what makes you happy in your life and be content. And it's just ah. I love that. <laughs> it's a lovely fucking movie. Um, so those are two others, as well, three including Monster, that are in rounding out my top ten. Wow. Um, before I think, should we get into the Big Daddy? Okay. Before we get into the Big Daddy, there was a couple of like, yeah. Oh we no, don't have yeah, to, please, we, please. We don't have to like dissect them as hard as we have but um i feel like because i watched them we should have a mention please do (laughs) okay so for example last night i watched priscilla yes and i feel like we've kind of talked a little bit about her films like learning kyoto in terms of other things um but um yeah wasn't a big fan okay okay so um Priscilla Presley was my inspo for my wedding look. Just going to put it out there. Yep. Big fan. And I have watched, read, whatever, a lot about her life. And this film kind of went against a lot of the things I had read. Interesting, because it's based off her own autobiography. I know. She's a producer on it as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but for me, okay. For me, um, when they were in Germany... She, She's like 14 years old or some shit. But what kept uh, Elvis interested in her was their conversations and they connected really well in Germany. And I felt like in Germany, in this film, it was just like this little mousy girl like, oh, yes, oh, yeah, yeah, like that. And like he's like, all right, you can go home now. And so for me, what kept his attention must have only been her age and her looks and it was just a bit opposite to what i had already read Mm. or knew about their relationship and then 
the rest of their relationship was a lot along the same lines. Um, one thing I did like is that further on, he's like, I think we should take a break. And she's heavily pregnant. She's like, cool, just let me know when I should go. And he's like, oh, actually, you know, and she she, she pulled him up on his bullshit, basically. Mm. Um, but I felt like the emotional points didn't hit. Okay. When the end of the film went with, and I will always love you yeah. and I was just like oh, you, you, have it, you haven't earned it mm. I don't ugh. I okay I love that Elvis's music wasn't in this because it's not his film it's yep. her film I love how this is the opposite of the Spaz Lerman film yep. um, but I kind of had an image in my mind of what this film was going to be and it wasn't that so for example I think I spoke to you actually about Sophia Coppola films mm-hmm. meandering. Yep. And in the right context, sorry about my cats, if you can hear them, they're having a fight. Um, in the right context, meandering can work. Mm-hmm. So, for example, in Marie Antoinette, she's lying around in boats, just living her life. Meanwhile, we know we have this prior knowledge that her country is starving. So this meandering works towards the film. It, mm. It's great. The bling ring, endless scenes of them robbing the Paris Hilton. Do not, do I not just, like bling I, ring. I was just like, I'm, I'm not. Bling ring and I somewhere are the two care. that I'm like, I, I don't care. Um, in Lost in Translation, she's looking out of windows longingly. She's alone in Kyoto. She's meandering around Japan, looking for a connection. She's, she's lost in, in Japan. Lost in Translation. All those sorts of things. And I was waiting for Priscilla to be in Graceland, sitting there, looking out a window, longingly, painfully alone. And I felt like her aloneness was told to us, but it wasn't felt by us. So, okay. exactly, the there were so many pool parties in this film. There yeah. were so many pool parties, but he was present for them. I just wanted to see a few more scenes of Priscilla... You alone. wanted to feel that sad, that innate yeah. kind of sadness that like was there, there. There's a scene where the um, she goes into. There's I'm I'm guessing secretaries. Like, they're never actually told who they are, but they're answering his fan mail. Mm. And his dad comes and he's like, "Get out!" Yeah. And so, like what I'm I'm saying about being told, not shown. That's yeah. us being told. But I kind of wanted to see a bit more of her by herself and and see the isolation a little bit more. Especially since she's such a strong visual filmmaker that you kind of hope for that little bit extra. Yeah. And especially, like you said, she plays in meandering and and like slow cinema is yes. her jam. Always has been. Like even back with Virgin Suicides, like that is a yes. slow movie. Yes, um, and, and and that's the thing. Like I. I really want to preface it with that is that I feel like I understand Sophia Coppola films really, really mm. well. I'm not saying that this film on its own is bad. I'm just saying I, I was anticipating yeah. a bit more Coppola. I, I think, I don't know. I, 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 I liked it quite a deal more than you, it mm. sounds like. And I think it could be partly because like, again, I love, and I, I actually was able to find that connection with her, like in the kind of loneliness and the quiet moments, few and far between as they were when she's at Graceland. Um, but it, I think another contributing factor could be the, I was so fucking burned and I hated her last film so much that this felt like, Oh, it's a return to form. Mm. This felt, cause I loved the beguiled 
And then she did On the Rocks with Bill Murray and Rashida Jones, which I think is an awful film. Yes, I think I've watched about half an hour of that film and turned it, it was off. It's an awful movie. And then she did this, and I'm like, oh, thank God we're back. Okay. Yes. And I, I wonder if that's kind of me, rose-colored glasses, kind of looking at it, maybe. But it it worked for me a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and, and again, it's the same with Barbie. Like, we have very different takes on a film it doesn't mean that one's right or one's wrong it's yeah. just it's just our take and i i, and I was a bit disappointed because i love priscilla mm. like i said her her glam was my inspo for my wedding look mm. um, <laughs> but i love sophia more and i was just like come on like give me that longing you want that kind of it, it, i mean here's a hot take is sophia coppola not as good a filmmaker as ever as we all think i she think is? so i think <sighs> Like, I she's made, like, because she came out of the gate, like, with three stone-cold great mm, movies. Yes. And then it's been, like, since then, I'm like, The Beguiled, I really like. Mm. And this, I really like. Mm. But everything else has been kind of very... Mm. Oh, if I had to put this in a in a context of our other films, this would be up there as great. Mm. But... It's just, it's not, it's yeah. not lost in translation. No, no. And it's no Marie Antoinette or Virgin Suicides, but it's, yeah. Oh, um, it's Virgin Suicides. Fuck, that's a great film. Yup. Um, and my hot take is I think Jacob Elordi is a better Elvis than Austin Butler. <gasps> oh, I know, right? Mm. I love the scenes of them in bed eating popcorn, or I love the sprinkling in of him eating fucking bacon. Yeah. I'm sorry. There is a lot of, like, little subtleties that yep. are just, like, like chef's kiss. Like, so good and so funny. Um, but she's, Coppola very cleverly, like you said, like, makes, it is her film. She never shifts the focus away. From to... her. She was a child when yep. they met. And, and Kaylee Spaney's incredible performance in the film, I think, as well. Um, but it's very it, subtle. But it's forms. like, for 20 minutes of the film, I'm, I'm, I'm just guessing the time, I actually don't know. In that last 20 minutes, they have sex, and they have a child, and then he goes to Vegas, and then they break up. And it's just like, you spent so much of this film... Um, and it was about her identity and all these things. And she wanted to have sex with him. He didn't want to have sex with her. And I know that Priscilla maintained for the longest time that they didn't have sex before they were married. And that was very much part of the film. But then once that was capped, then all the other things. Yeah. Like it was the, just the a floodgates little bit of open and bang, 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 yeah. bang, bang. And I just, the emotional points didn't hit. Yeah. For me. Would would you have liked it to kind of continue on and show a little bit more of Priscilla's, like, older life? Did you want to see her, like, on the set making the naked gun with Lucy Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because I kind of like that Pris- um, that Sophia Coppola doesn't lean into the Hollywoodness of it, of, oh, the drama. I don't yeah. know. And I, I like, like that yeah, about it. It doesn't become a over-the-top melodrama film. No. It is... Still at its core, a Sophia Coppola movie. It is, it is a very quiet, much a slow... Sophia Coppola film. Yeah. Um, but okay, so is Lost in Translation, and goddamn, that film hits you just, emotionally. You just connect with that and on a so does personal level. Virgin yeah. Suicides or Mary Antoinette. Even we never see Mary Antoinette get decapitated. No. We never see the big moments of Marie Antoinette. Fuck, that film hits. Mm, I it love that. Hits. I'm waiting for that one to have its, like, 
reappraisal. Yeah, and everyone to be like, oh, what? what? Yeah, this film rules. And it's, you know, it's the same thing because it's a moment in history. We all know what happens. Mm -hmm. She doesn't need to show us. In fact, the fact that she doesn't show us makes it hit so much more. Mm. But it didn't do it in Priscilla for me. I don't know. It just didn't do it for That's Pr- in Priscilla for me. I mean, if it helps, it's only number 23 on my list. So <laughs> um, okay, moving was, on. Was there any others that Saltburn. You... Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, horny millennial Patricia Highsmith. Okay, I'm not saying this because it's a great film. I'm saying it because I literally watched 12 films, and we will talk about these yes, 12 yes, films. Yes, yes, um, yes. We've the same guy, the Elvis guy. What's the fuck his name? Jacob Elordi. He's a Melbourne, Melbourne guy. guy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, that just blew my mind. I think mm. you told me that yesterday. I'm like, mm. what? Yeah, yeah. Um, I was justifying why I like Saltburn today. Well, I was having a chat with someone today, and I'm just like, did you like Saltburn? He's like, yeah, it's fun. And I was like, right? Like, I I get the absolute hatred that this film is getting and the bile from a lot of critics. And Okay, before you move on. It is surface-level bullshit. It's trying to say something, and it's fucking failing, and it's nothing. It's just over the top. It's style over substance. And I'm like... Yeah. Oh, good to so, my veins. You, you know, sometimes movies can just be fun. Yeah. Sometimes you just want to watch fucking Barry Coogan slurp up some cummy bath water. Oh. <laughs> I actually think I texted you and I'm like, I really want to do a letterbox review and it's just a vom face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it, I... But not because the film's vom, just that scene's yeah. vom. And I, there's another scene that's vom. Yeah, I've, I've seen the film twice now and I... I really dig it. It is entertaining as fuck. What it's trying to do and say about class politics and and interpersonal relationships is surface level. And there is, like, you can view that film and be like, oh, this is an, you know, someone trying to say something deep and failing. But I view it as, no, they're just having fun making an entertaining movie. 100%. And 100%. It's, like I said, it's millennial, horny millennial talented Mr. Ripley. <laughs> what more do you want? <laughs> <laughs> okay, but that end scene. Yeah. Was it you who sent me Sophie Ellis Baxter? Oh, yeah, the, the, she got the salt burn, but like she posted her Spotify numbers. Yes. And ever since they came out, it's just like, boop. Yeah, she got the salt burn bump. (laughs) I Um, think that could be one of my favorite endings of a film of all time. It is so good. We're out. We're out at a brewery for New Year's, and it was a disco night, and they played um, that song. And I just threw my hands up. You threw your dick out. Anyone seen salt burn? I thought you were going to say you threw your dick out. I just danced all through that mansion. Oh, man. More of that, please. Yes. More, like, yes. young... Way to go, Barry. We need more of our young men hanging wang in films. <laughs> Do it. Again, I was just like, I have to... If I've seen this film, I've put the effort into watch the oh, film. Oh, for sure. We are talking about it because... Um, my, I, the second time I review, like watched it, my letterbox review was... It's just simply a quote from the film where it, at the exchange of... What font did you pick? Tanji Roman on a local stone. <laughs> talking about the fucking gravestone. <laughs> like, it's funny. The movie's yeah. funny. Like The only other film I had was The Killer. Oh, yes, yes. Apart from my faves. but um, The Killer's number 15 on my list. That's pretty high. I like it a lot. 
It's interesting because I think it's like Barbie for me. I think you and I had a very different experience. I every person I've talked to, I it's it's becoming more and more apparent. My read on the film is not everyone else's. <laughs> um, I feel like yours might be more more aligned with the intention of the film. Uh, who's to say? Who's to say? But Who knows? I, I just view the film as basically Fincher acknowledging and reckoning with his own body of work and him as a creator. See, and that's what got me because I wanted to watch it and and do that. I wanted to know. And the, I've got to be honest, the, um, the title sequence was... But that's awful. But that's part of it as well. Because he's known for having these long, elaborate, masturbatory esque like title sequences. So he's like, "Fuck it, I'll be done in fifty four seconds, and it's gonna look like shit." <laughs> like he's acknowledging that I. It's, I to know. Me, it's him acknowledging. I know, but what a thing to do! What a thing to do and be like, okay. I'm going to make a title sequence that looks like shit. Because I'm known for making title sequences that are beautiful and extravagant. That's mad. That's, it's, for me, that's, that's mad. Why I, that's why I love it. I know, but it's, for me, Finch is funny, mad. man. He's funny. But whoever wrote The Killer, like, it's a uh, well, well It's based written. off of a French graphic novel, but the film version, it's written by Andrew Kevin Walker, who wrote Seven. Ah. Yes. I don't know if I've ever told you my story of Seven. I'm sorry. This is this episode is dragging on. But... No, no. Side tangents on Seven. Let's do it. All right. Uh, proper pronunciation. Uh, Sir Seven and. <laughs> Irvin. Yeah. Um, Sir Seven and. <laughs> but um, I don't know about you, but there was a whole bunch of films when we were growing up on TV. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, I've watched Seven, Sir Evan, or like. Sir Evan and. <laughs> a League of Their Own, or, you know, yeah. I don't know, another I one. Seven is like a go to childhood <laughs> yeah. TV movie. Channel 9. Oh, this is the dildo knife he raped at <laughs> death with. <laughs> but it's like maybe Channel 9 or 7 or something bought the rights to that Look, film. They'll and play it's like at 9 o'clock. They'll be conservative <laughs> with it. But I remember being like, oh, I'm into film and I buy DVDs now. I'm going to buy Sir Evan and I will watch Sir Evan in my Sir lounge room. Seven and- okay. I'm going to, yeah. Just say Seven. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, I watched Seven and I was like, the fuck? Mm-hmm. That is a different film to the last 12 viewings that I've watched this oh, on so Channel it was like 9. Heavily edited. This yeah. is not the film I watched yeah. growing up. This is next level fucked. Sorry, I'm just looking up. I've got my letterbox list called uh, De Finch Man. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I've got I got uh, 7 at number 3. Okay, can I and can I guess your two others? Uh, number 1 and 2? Yep. Go for it. What's number 2? Fight Club. No. Okay. Because no, no, no. I, I re- this year I rewatched all of them. Fight Club has been bumped down to number five. Okay. I already know your number one. Yeah. It is the Zodiac. Zodiac. Zodiac is number one. Zodiac is a stone cold masterpiece and similar to Oppenheimer. It is a filmmaker making their magnum opus. And I have it to is, rewatch it. I've watched it twice this year. <laughs> That's a nearly three hour long movie. You've thrown me with number two. I, um... Rose, Rosamund Pike? Mm-mm. Oh, That's okay. number four. Okay. All right. No, I'm lost. What's number two? Social Network. <gasps> really? Really? That is an amazing film. Wow. <laughs> wow. Mm. I wouldn't have thought that. Yep. More than Fight Club? Yep. Fight Club's artistic. 
and oh man, you should watch The Social Network again. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. Really? Yeah, Social Network's amazing. It's one of those films, I'm going to be honest, where you watch and you're like, it's like watching a biopic where you're like, cool, this is what happened. But I never thought about it in an artistic way, like oh, how it's amazing. it was filmed. Yeah, it's amazing. Really? Yeah, yeah. Incredible, incredible film. Um, and one that's like the fact that it was made in, that that film is now 14 years old is fucking nuts. Yeah. Yeah. And so, okay, bringing it back to the killer then. Yes. Would you say that the killer is, where would you put that on your list? Uh, I just realized I have not actually added it to my Da Finchman list. Da Finchman list is like number 39 now, isn't it? Uh, well, he's only got, a, this is 12 films he's oh. ever made. Um, I'd put it, it's it's in the mid. Um it's Probably a totally f- mid. It's, it's floating around that mank girl with the dragon tattoo area. Mm. Um, I'm a lone weirdo that really loves mank. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love mank. <laughs> um, yeah. Rewatch girl with the dragon tattoo. It's like it's good. Um, there's nothing sexier than Daniel Craig putting his sunglasses like well, his glasses half down his face while investigating like no, but while wearing a sweater to, you have to tell everyone about your theory of the bad guy in that film like of course it's the bad guy because it's oh yeah it, it's it's the failing of the one the big failing of the girl with the dragon tattoo is um, the whole time you're like oh I wonder who could be the killer and you're like well it's still in Skarsgård because <laughs> it's, it's still in Skarsgård <laughs> like he's of course <laughs> Like, what are we doing? <laughs> you can't find... it, it's similar to Oppenheimer. It's like, oh, who's the devil? Oh, it's Casey Affleck. <laughs> like, yeah, of course it is. It's what you do. Like, fucking I want to rewatch that film just as yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's a ama- oh, speaking of a good needle drop, Jesus Christ, that movie. Tell me. Oh, it's when he brings him into his murder dungeon and he puts on Orinoco Flow by Enya oh, <laughs> while he's torturing. It's fucked. I've never rewatched that. Good movie. We should do more needle drop chats. Anyway, uh, moving on. Moving on. Um, there's guess, one film left. There's I guess. one film left. And do you want to sprinkle in a couple, or do you want to just um, go straight there? One. I don't know if and ever it'll come out, but uh, if you can track down a movie called Femme, I fucking love this movie. Um, this will be like my last little unsung film for people to check out. Femme and Drift, Anthony Chen's Drift, which I alluded to earlier. Fantastic little movie. But Femme is a British film about a, um, a drag performer who gets uh, gay-bashed one night and then uh, obviously suffers trauma from that experience and then is out at a, a bathhouse one night and sees his gay-basher there and deci- decides to essentially catfish him and for revenge porn and to kind of reveal him as a closeted gay man and fuck up his life the way that this guy fucked up his and it is amazing it is such an incredible thriller what number did you give it uh 14 oh fuck yeah it's it's weird it's like i go from like gay like you know drag revenge catfish thriller to bottoms (laughs) (laughs) but at the end of the day it's your list yeah femme femme is a phenomenal film i i want i think mubi maybe have picked it up for the uk so it'll probably end up on that streaming service eventually and things like if you get a chance check out the movie femme i know it played the sydney and the melbourne film festival as well as the queer film festival like it, it, it's a fantastic fucking film that that that'll be my last like little shout out one before we get into what i have a feeling is lee's number one film of the year so i um have been um 
teasing you so much with logging films on yes. Letterbox, but not rating films yes. on Letterbox except for this film. Yeah. Um, Killers of the Flower Moon. Yes. So it was the only film that when I logged it, I gave it five stars and a little heart, whatever it is that you do. I loved this movie so much. It's painful how much I love this movie. It hurts me how much I love this movie. This movie killed me how much I love this movie. That makes me so happy. I don't don't know what else to say. This movie killed me how much I love this movie. Because you're like any red-blooded human being. You acknowledge Martin Scorsese is one of the greatest living filmmakers like, I mean, Grace, living filmmakers currently, but also one of the greatest filmmakers. You have been warned. If you haven't watched this movie, stop listening now because I'm about to go to the ending of this film. Because where else do we go? This ending of this movie is one of the best endings made of a my film. Your drop, oh. the final scene. Oh. Um, and it's what made me. It's a masterpiece. Oh. Yeah. It is a masterpiece. Well done, Marty, it's, on that ending. I, I saw it. I, I got. I was lucky enough to go to a cinema screening and see it on the big screen. And like I said, my jaw dropped when that scene happened. And then when it came out on Apple, like to rent, we watched it at home. And I watched it with Claire. And when that scene happened, and he, Marty himself, steps into frame, Claire audibly went, "Whoa!" Yeah. Like, e- like even someone who's not into, like, understood. Yes, what is I happening what with mean. that, and was just taken aback and floored by the the sense of perspective that he's able to come to that story as an artist with. I have to give this film okay. I have to give you my context of watching this film because normally I wouldn't, but I feel like this is how outstanding me and my husband found this film. So watching film at home, you have the ability to get on your phone and just like fuck around, get up, go to the toilet, like whatever, whatever. You you are watching it at home. You can do whatever you want. So we knew that this film was three and a fucking whatever hours long. Three, three and a half, I think. We'll say three and a half hours long. And my husband and I started watching at nine at night and if you know anything about having kids or especially a one-year-old <laughs> three in the morning <laughs> <laughs> yes we have been up 12 plus hours at this moment and when we watch this film we press play with the intention of pausing when we got tired we 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 i have to say that again we press play with the intention of pausing when we got tired my husband and i did not look at our phone, our smartwatch, anything. We played this film from start to finish at 9 o'clock at night, being new parents with a one-year-old. We watched the entire thing in one sitting. I'm sorry. I have to just (laughs) preface that because that's... That's high praise. (laughs) That's high praise. In 2023, that is high praise. Yeah. I'll get off my soapbox. No, no. Um, I don't know. I didn't know what it was. I I, I honestly can't put my finger on it. We were engaged. We loved it. We loved the storyline. I love that... I would feel like the, the typical thing to do would be to go... Uh, through Molly's perspective and live through her life because that's where the emotion is. And if anything that a film does, you want to get in the emotional state. But 
and and I know with the filming of this, it was it was jumped around with the perspective that we would it, take. It was originally going to be the FBI's perspective coming yes. in. The whole kind of back half of the film is what the whole of the film was going to be. Initially. Yeah, yeah. Because um, Leo was initially the he Jesse... was going to be Tom White, who is uh, Jesse Plemons's character. Yeah. Yes, Jesse Plemons. <sighs> Fuck yeah. Yes. Fuck yeah. Is there a better power couple than Plemons and Dunst? Mate. Like, Mate. I want, can they adopt me even though, like, <laughs> Jesse Plymouth is younger than me? <laughs> I want to go home to Plymouth. <laughs> Look, I think I gushed a little too much on this because I don't want no. anyone to watch this and be like, oh, I'm no, anticipating no, no, no. I, now some it shit. Is... It's just, it was just our reaction. But it yeah. wasn't, it's the same thing of when you talk about Claire and her reaction. The fact that both Josh and I, like, didn't look at our phones, we were in. Yeah. I, Claire, as someone who does not give a shit about film and stuff, was like, oh, it's good. Like, mm. but, like, was able to acknowledge the moments and the nuance of what made it something unique and special. Yes. Um, especially kind of in a modern day complex, uh, context, as well as kind of mm. what she has seen of Scorsese's kind of filmography prior to that, I guess. Yes. Um, weirdly, she hasn't seen a lot of stuff that I think she would really do, like Age of Innocence and things, like some of him doing like period dramas and they like. But, um, yeah, it, it, it is such a wonderful film that weaves such a interesting story and, like, the way that it's... It, it's, like, true crime as well as, like, relationship drama. Like, again, there's so many relationship dramas this year yes. that are powerful and... But I love, for me, I love how we are so in the, I don't remember the character's name, but Leonardo DiCaprio's character. Okay, before I even get into that, I we were talking about earlier about how uh, actors disappear and characters come through. Mm-hmm. I've got to be honest, Leonardo DiCaprio could be one of his best performances, if not his best. He disappeared for me. Mm-hmm. He played a moron. Yeah. And I was 100% believing him. But um, his wife, Molly... Lily Gladstone, who, if she doesn't win the Academy Award, what is wrong with the world? Yeah. This is my fear. Okay, this is my anticipation. Oppenheimer Oppenheimer will win Best Film, and she will win Best Actress as a consolation for the whole film. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's that kind of thing where... You didn't win Best Film, but hey. I mean, it could always be that thing. Killers could get picture and Nolan could get director. You never know. Yes, which is really rare because I think we've had this Last discussion time was, before. I th- I want, it very rarely does the split, like Moonlight, La La Land. Happened. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um. Anyway, but, but what, yeah. what I was going to say is Leonardo's, DiCaprio's character, um, we experience Molly's pain, but through his eyes. And that's what makes it manageable because you could very easily make this film through her eyes, but you'd just be crying the whole way through. Yeah, it would just the be a fact, misery film. The fact that Scorsese picked that character as the person we see this through made it manageable because there is a scene in the first five minutes of the film where... I was like, I want to turn this off. I am very upset. It was a mother putting her daughter into the pram 
and then she gets shot in the head. The, the first and kind it, of montage of the murders. Murders. And, uh, some of the initial murders, and yeah. And I guess it's kind of like where I am in my life. Mm. And I just leaned over to Josh. I'm like, that girl just lost, lost her mother. Mm. And, like, it's meant to uh, elicit a thing of how um Unsymp- yeah, and, well, and unsympathetic and like ridiculous. and cold and dumb. The but white people are. But it's a little bit funny because it's a bit ridiculous how this thing. It, is. It, it's it's like the departed. Like she fell funny. Yeah, she fell funny. That's how it's it's intended to be viewed. But for me, it was a little bit too close to I, where I am. I didn't. Th- it's not as comical as like the departed stuff, but it is. Cause it, it's just you're bombarded so quickly with how blatant their murders are. It's open daylight and like on a. Straight, like, yeah. Not investigated. And no one gives a shit, like... And that's why it's so interesting when, you know, it gets into the part where it becomes the FBI shows up and it's just like, we're here to see about the murders. See what about them? Mm-hmm. F- fuck it, who's doing them? What are you... What? Mm. What are you... You're all idiots. Like, yeah. yeah. Such a such a phenomenal piece of filmmaking. And Where did you put it on your list? Because I number knew three. Past Lives was your number one. And then I had Monster at two, and this is number Ooh, three. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I was de- tempted after the rewatch of Killers to bump it up to number two, but yeah, yeah it's... That ending, though. Because for me, like, there's a letterbox review on this film, and it was very much about... Um, the, you know, if you were to read, if if anybody else was to tell this film, it would be from um, Molly's perspective. Mm. It it should be from Molly's perspective. It it's it's not the white man's job to. I think they to were tell a other people's of, stories. It was a member of the um, the Osage tribe. Or, yes. Yeah. So sh- the person reviewing was a member of that, and they were very much pushing that it should have been Molly's story. And we should have got the full brunt of all that. But I, I, no, because he, that ending is supremely amazing. Like for him to openly step out as himself, acknowledging this is all, this is a, a bunch of, Ignorant white people telling this story, yes. and then the way it's being presented. Should we even be presenting this yes. story? Like owning it so fucking hard is that's what I mean. Like my jaw dropped. It, I, it is a masterpiece. That yeah. ending yeah. took it from a already amazing film to masterpiece, five star masterpiece perfection. Would you put this in like? Easily, it's in his top ten films of his it's career. It's interesting though because you say that and you're like, okay, where would I put this in all the Martin Scorsese films I've ever seen? Where would I put this? My favorite will always be Taxi Driver, followed by The Departed, then this film. I reckon mm. it's probably number three. I love um, what the fuck's it called? I've got it at number six. I might have to bump that up to number five. Goodfellas. Yeah. I love Goodfellas. That's at number two for me. Because you know why I love Goodfellas? Because through watching a lot of films through the Criterion Quest, that French New Wave and mm-hmm. the influence, and you're like, it's just a, it's just a, this story, it's just a, it's a, a story about criminals. You're like, no, 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 there is film going on there. Yep. 
And that's similar, like, with Raging Bull, which I know you saw yes. the first time this year. Like, the was, artistry behind that film is... I was ashamed nuts. that I hadn't seen more Scorsese, so one of my missions before seeing Killers was to watch um, Raging Bull. Mm. And fuck, that film's great. Yep. <laughs> that film's great. Oh. Yeah. Oh. See, no, yeah, I, I've got currently, because, again, I'm a letterbox weirdo, I've got my Scorsese list. Um, yes, you do. Yeah, I've got uh, Killers at number six above uh, The Departed, number seven. Mm. So, yeah. But, number yeah, it's number one's Taxi Driver, because oh, how can so it not good. be? We how should, can it not be? We should do a PMP on that. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> much perfect. Um, yeah, I fucking love that. And, yeah, Killers, I it is... For a man of his age to be f- still firing on so many cylinders, I think you and I, like, the other day were talking about this, about how we're kind of in this interesting period where we're having all of these great filmmakers that we grew up with that are old now. Like, Scorsese's like, I've maybe got one t- one left in me. I know. Um, and Spielberg, similarly, like, especially... Sp- the big one for me was Spielberg, where, like, recently it's just like, dude, what happened? Like, and for him to come out with the Fablemans last year, I'm like... That was my number one of that yeah, year. Yeah, it blew me away. Like, it blew me away. The fact that you can still have such a command of a, the craft, not... like, And we'll bring back to Scorsese, like, as the prime example of that. Like, still to be that in that later stage of your life, he's in his 80s at this point, and still have such a command of your your art form and the understanding and like knowing as well, like he has helped develop and build and expand that he's been making movies for nearly 60 years and he's still, still churning out one of the best of his career. This is what I hate about the Oscars or any award show is that we have to pick one and it's like, how can you? Well, it's, it's again, like I know we talk about the Oscars quite a bit and I know that bugs some listeners, but it's, at the end of the day, it's just fun. Like it's, yeah. it's like it's like a sports game for us. Like it's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. I, I find the Oscars dumb fun. It's like my sports nerd statistics thing. But it means nothing. Nothing. It means nothing at all. And I'd hope it'd mean nothing to them as well. Because, of course not. Um, because your number one is very different to my number yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. It's art. It's that's the problem with it's it's a industry awards show. It's just unfortunately filled with celebrities, so that's yeah. why it's become a big deal. Yeah, and um, but but it sells films. Yeah. Because, you know, your mum or your auntie or your whatever. It might It might make people go watch Anatomy of a Fall if it gets nominated for Best Picture. And they otherwise would not seek yes. out that amazing film. I've got to be honest. I'm going to be very honest right now. I'm very ashamed to admit this. But the only reason I like Hayao Miyazaki films is because... I saw um, Spirited Away yeah. win that was Best the Animated. For all, all of our generation, yeah. I feel. Yeah, um, I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, I wasn't Japanese. I didn't grow up on it, those films. Yeah, it's the the one with Killers though, because I I find it interesting. Some people we uh, that we're friends with, are just they just don't get Scorsese, and they like, especially recently, has been like Irishman sucks, blah 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 blah. And he's like, Ooh. like, and they're just like, Wait, do I really want to sit down and watch a three and a half hour? And I'm just like, yes. You do, please. Like it's so fucking good. Yeah. I know, and I feel like. But it's in the, that... also it's like if you didn't like the Irishman, I don't know if you're gonna like this. Then you're gonna no. find it meandering, and you're yes. gonna find it. 
I didn't meander. Saggy is like oh, you know. I didn't I, find that at all. I'm with you. I I was in the entire time. I was like, time. hook it to my veins, let it wash over me. I'm frothing, loving this. It's 9 p.m. at night. I'm sleep deprived. And Give it to me. And speaking, going back to like Sophia style, like the idea of slow cinema and stuff, and like letting stuff meander and take its time. The fact that we're spending so much time with Ernest and Molly and watching all of these murders and how the Osage people are treated and how it just drags on for so long watching these evil and stupid people do these plans it's lulling you into their way of thinking this idea of it is okay and to be complicit and to do these acts and do this horribleness until then in the third act where we're snapped kind of back into reality with the investigation coming in and everyone like a sense of normalcy coming into this scenario and just being like what the fuck are you doing yeah like what what are we doing here like why are you just why are you slowly poisoning your wife because your uncle told you to like it's it's that slap in the face of because we the film has taken its time that we have just become accustomed to this is what it is and it's not necessarily an enjoyable thing to be watching but the way he presents it lulls you into it being the new normal, I suppose. And then you're jolted back awake into the insanity of it all. And to me, what I love so much about it is there's the scene on the road where Ernest is going to jail and stuff. And he comes out to meet Molly and like the FBI brings Molly and it's the last, it's the last scene before we cut to the, the radio play. And it's this, beautiful odd moment where molly knows that ernest has been slowly poisoning her and being complicit and helped like facilitate the deaths of her sisters and things yet she still loves that man because Mm. he was her husband and he's he's a fucking idiot but he's so dumb but he loves her and she knows he loves and they have this beautiful embrace and then have to part where it's Honestly, if, if those if those two characters didn't love each other as much as they do, mm. how would you sit through that? Oh, it's of just course. A it would be torture. Torturing his wife, but you know that they love each other. Yeah. They love each other, and, and he's and just a big dummy, dumb dumbass. He's a fucking dummy. <laughs> He could have had everything he wanted if he hadn't done all that shit. He yeah. could have had his wife and his home and this great life, but he's a but dumbass. Again, kind of tying it back in with Zone of Interest, it's another film that's great for this modern age. The idea of uh, blindly following orders and being complicit with stuff just because that's what you were told to do by someone who has more power and more money. Mm. D- don't. Mm. <laughs> don't. Don't. Yeah. yeah. Um, what a fucking year for movies it's been. (sighs) Yeah. I mean, I feel like we haven't scratched the surface and we couldn't because how many films did you watch this year? Uh, 400 and something. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We've shouted out quite a few and gone through most of, most of our faves and stuff. So I think that's probably a good time to wrap it up. Yeah. I just really want to have, like, now some, like, radio play, just like, gee, where's the matchbooks? And this? Like, like, <laughs> yeah. So great. Um, but, again, thank you all for listening. And, like, as, as we said at the beginning of the episode, work and life stuff's kind of gotten in the way as of late. So we will – episodes will be coming out. Stay subscribed and everything, but it will be, you know, few and far – like, you know, there might be some dry spells. Mm. But, but don't worry. We, we're still going. The servers still exist. <laughs> the website's still going. It's, it's all there. It's not going anywhere. It, it'll just, you know, 
it'll be a while between between drinks, we'll say. Mm. Um, but yeah, uh, we love film. We, we we're, we're going to devour it as much as we can. Exactly, and uh, we'd love to hear from you guys what some of your favorite yes. films of the year were. Um, if there was, if you agreed with some of ours, if there were some that we didn't mention that you you think we should check out or discuss, please let us know. You can send us an email at thecriterionquest at gmail.com or, uh, you know, hit us up on the website or Twitter, all, all of that usual stuff that's in the episode notes. Um, yeah, otherwise, uh, we'll be back at some point with uh, either a regular episode or, I don't know, we talked about maybe doing a fun one around Oscar time with some of our own categories and yeah. playing around with that maybe. But Totally. Yeah, but otherwise, thank you all for listening and thank you, Lee, for chatting about movies. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Uh, for this end of year wrap up looking at 2023, uh, I'm Chris. I'm Lee. See you next time.